on this. There we go. And uh, we'll just go ahead and start recording. All right. Um, hey, guys, this is Alex, and I am here today with Ben. What's up? From Superior Glad to be Stuff. Here. Yep. From Superior Stuff You Should Know. Um, it's been a while. It's been a few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been wanting to do this for a while. It's just been a little packed, and May was crazy month. So I kind of had wanted to do it by the time we get to the anniversary. We're a little late on that, but we made it. We're here now. <laughs> we made it. Never thought we'd get here, but we're here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess uh, I know you guys recently have been covering the Batman and Robin and Batman Returns and all that kind of stuff recently. Yeah, um, 90s Batman has been our uh, our main audience of superhero stuff. You should know primarily 89, but even, even the Schumacher stuff usually gets... Um, some good views and and there's stuff to explore every single time we're just like yeah what more could we possibly go into it and then like there's something else that comes up and we're like ah you know what we could probably we should probably explore that right but yeah we're here today to actually do something we've never done before other than me doing a commentary on this we're going to talk for two full hours and see if we can actually fill all that time <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna yeah. talk, talk about uh batman forever and uh I'm gonna have a lot of hot takes for this, so uh, just just get mm-hmm. ready, I guess. <laughs> All right, looking forward to it. Yep, got my little official uh, paper right here. Ah, all right. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right, it takes. So uh, I guess we're gonna do it where we'll coordinate hitting play on HBO Max. Uh, yes. Okay, sounds right. good. I already got it pulled up. All right, so it, it's really hard to like rewind and try to line it up with the streaming stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I figure that uh I mean we're gonna get you're gonna get hit by severe copyright stuff. We actually have it as part of the video. So we're just gonna for for anybody watching this, you put this in the background while you're watching the movie. We will not be showing the movie. Yeah, it's funny, but just before we start, um, I did on my I've told you about my old channel before, right? Um there was a commentary I did, and I guess this was before people started doing like fan commentaries of things, or it wasn't as much of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I, speaking of having the actual video there, people, I remember getting a comment or a few comments being like, I think it was for Mask of the Phantasm, and mm-hmm. people just being like, what is this? There's not even the video up here. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a react. Even if it's a reaction channel, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't show the whole thing. Yeah. I was just like, Unless it's you- like a trailer. <laughs> what do you guys want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah um oh, well yeah it is what it is people the internet's the center of uh negativity i guess always uh, yeah yeah uh, to get in the mood for it i already told you about it i got my official uh mcdonald's uh hopefully i won't get sued by them either for this but uh <laughs> i think it's been a while for them so there's the batman one and i got the riddler oh nice yeah i got the yeah. whole set my uh oh my, sweet yeah my step my stepmom actually not stepmom sorry my mother-in-law actually got it for me one day it was like at one of those antique places so oh, that's a wonderful gift uh, i have basically I, I had the riddler one growing up and then someone else is like i got a gift for you it's the mcdonald's thing it was another riddler so i've, I've never had any of the others i only have two riddlers i had the batman one growing up that was the main one i had which is really all you need yeah sadly i don't have it i also, there's a big size difference too. The Batman one is like tall, and this is like very short and stout for yeah. the Riddler. 
I noticed that. I had the one with, the, I think, the Two-Face one where it has, like, the little coins as, like, the the handle for it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, maybe I'll do, like, a reveal video one of these days. Who knows? But um, <laughs> anyway, what you guys came for, the Batman Forever commentary. So mm-hmm. how, how this is going to work, I'm sure you guys, if you haven't, um, this will be your first time. But we've got it lined up to 000. Mm-hmm. So whenever I hit, I know there's going to be a delay, so we'll, we'll figure this out. But whenever I say one, two, three, go, we'll just start the movie. And then you can either listen along with us or you can just have it on the background when you're working out, you know, at work, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we'll try to provide enough context to where you can still enjoy it theoretically without even watching the movie itself. So, yeah. But yeah. Uh, Sounds good. Go. Yep. Cool. Three, two, one. I'm going to allow a little bit of time for the delay and go. There we go. Oh, my delay. There we go. Okay. Good. <laughs> That's a little worried. You got that Warner Brothers logo? Yeah. Morphing into the bat symbol. Oh, uh, starting off on my notes. Uh, mm-hmm. This, I remember my grandmother, I still remember how the, um, the VHS, you know, those old VHSs you had where you could like record the movie off TV and everything. Um, yeah. she had one, I remember it was like this yellowish like thing and she gave it to me. It said Batman forever on it. I'd never seen mm-hmm. that movie. I didn't know what it was. And oh, so, nice. I, yeah. And so I put it in, but the thing was, I guess that she, the kids back then, like recording wasn't exact science. So like mm-hmm. you, you'd be lucky if you got it at the beginning, unless you timed it out. Even then it would be kind of like a toss up if you'd actually get it. But it started at the circus scene uh, that we're going to see later. <laughs> <laughs> kind of miss a lot of context. For the longest time, I thought that's how the movie started as a kid. So <laughs> I remember watching. Oh, that's a trip. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I guess this is the beginning of the movie. But yeah, I was watching it and I was like, um, I was like, saw it on, I think, ABC Family or something one mm-hmm. day, which is weird because I saw the VHS, the actual official copy. But I saw mm-hmm. on ABC Family. I'm like, what's all this? Like what we're seeing now with him walking to the back cave. <laughs> oh, that must. That must have been weird because it's 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 almost like watching the director's cut, even though it's not really the director's cut. It's just the the stuff you missed in the beginning. No red book edition here. <laughs> yeah, sadly not. Ah, <laughs> uh, that Batmobile. So I know that we've had differing opinions on different Batmobiles. I, my co-host Andrew it just he hates this Batmobile. <laughs> I don't hate it, but I'm like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it. But it's it's no Burton Batmobile. It's no '66 Batmobile. What are your thoughts on this Batmobile? You know, um, I kind of grew up with this movie. It was one of my, like, I think I told you off mic. Um, it's mm-hmm. one of my most watched Batman movies growing up. I When I got a haircut, uh, my mom got a haircut anyway. Like, they would just put the VHS on for me. <laughs> nice. Haircut. So, like, I honestly, I it's one of those things I kind of can't separate it from the nostalgia. So, I will always That's have, true. like, a little place in my heart for it. I like the, the flame, how it's kind of more stylized. It's kind of that weird... Sure. Like, uh, I don't even know what the name for it. It's a different color red than what we'd normally see. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I do. I guess I would like it more if it didn't have the, the blue coming out through the rib cage. I always thought that was kind of a little weird to me, but I mean, that was the style that they wanted to go with. And, and uh, as, as I've talked about on my own show, it's, it's like, you need to have a take on these characters because otherwise it's just kind of, it just becomes boring. 
So Schumacher absolutely has his own take. There are haters of it and there are lovers of it, (laughs) but he he absolutely has his own take on this. And so more power to him that like he, he got, it sounds like he got mostly what he wanted uh, on this really hyper stylized feeling of a, of a living silver age comic book. Uh, Two-Face That's what we got right? the, uh, the introduction of, of Two-Face This was my introduction to, uh, to Two-Face Even before the animated series I was watching the animated series But I don't think I really saw Two-Face The Two-Face episodes Before this one Oh, that's, that sucks <laughs> <laughs> This being my introduction Yeah I, I guess it's also a thing where Like it was nice to have an introduction To the character itself But it wasn't it wasn't one where I'm like, oh, like that's what he's about. Like I didn't really come away with any real impression other than the fact that this is like the very basics of like, okay, he's got one scarred side and he flips a coin a lot. And he's obsessed with the number two. And then I found the other interpretations later on. And I think really once the internet starts coming out and you see everybody just shitting on Tommy Lee Jones' <laughs> two face, then you get an idea of what people actually thought of it. But at the time it was just like, all right, whatever. It's another Batman villain. Right. Oh, uh, speaking of, I don't, I don't know if you're quite synced up with me, but Chase Meridian uh, just mm-hmm. showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my first ever crushes, uh, turns out, like it was when I started noticing girls a little bit whenever she came on the screen. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't blame you. She, <laughs> out of the, um, she's probably like out of the, the main four movies, she's probably my favorite in terms of the, not necessarily a female lead, but in terms of just like the one I would be most attracted to out of those. If I were, uh, if I were older during the time, cause like this is still a movie that was, I was seven when this came out. So I wasn't like discovering, yeah. <laughs> like I wasn't at that point. I was just like, Oh, you know, it's Batman's girlfriend for this one. And then later on when you're older, I'm rewatching, I'm just like, Oh damn. <laughs> so, <laughs> even though like i've seen this a million times as a kid then you're an adult and like oh yeah okay she really just wants to get in his uh utility belt i guess yeah and i think she knows what's up in terms of the movie like she knows like to play this sort of sultry femme fatale type but she's not really a femme fatale but like yeah. that's the style that they're going for and you know she she knows what type of movie she's in I noticed that she uh, is in the comics now. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, have you checked those out? Because I've only read I've read a previous version of her, but not the one that's currently um, that I've got right now. Uh, not yet. Um, I intend to check it out later. Uh, just usually I have the DC app, so I usually just wait for the stuff to release there. So I'm Same probably plan to wait to get it. You know, whenever it comes on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. I always thought that they introduced her almost like it took way too long to introduce her in the comics because if you think about it, like any the mental health professionals in the Batman universe don't exactly have a good rep. (laughs) (laughs) Hugo Strange, Jonathan Crane, Harley Quinn, even Jeremiah (laughs) Arkham. I'm like, you could have at least one good person who's in that field. You know, like it, Leslie Tompkins, sometimes they mix her up and have her as a therapist instead of a medical doctor. So I'm like, OK, that's cool. But it, it does make sense to me that there would be a uh, a therapist love interest for Batman, considering that, uh, you know, considering what he does. And I think it was smart on the, uh, the screen arts, the bachelor's part to, to come up with something like that because they were behind the scenes. They they said, like, hey, you, you're not allowed to bring back Vicky Vale. 
and you can't bring back Catwoman because we're thinking of doing the Catwoman spinoff. So they're like, well, what are we left with? Let's let's go with somebody. Let's go with an original character that there are other there are other love interests in the comics, but none of them before then were, you know, psychiatrists. So right. it makes sense that they if they wanted to do that, they created their own. Though I guess they could have been like, oh, it's Linda Page, but she's Dr. Linda Page or something. But yeah. oh, well, uh, <laughs> this bank guard guy's always annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> it's between that and i've heard other reviewers point this out but i always remember this from when i was a kid uh whenever he they're at that big party and uh oh, yeah. <laughs> through the window and this guy like batman yeah! <laughs> and i feel like it's the same guy even though i don't think it is but i think it's the same i feel like it's the same guy i always thought it was the same guy even as a kid i'm just like oh the bank bank card gets taken hostage goes to a random party where it also gets attacked. Like, this is what it's like to live in Gotham City. <laughs> I think he wouldn't even be surprised to see him at that point. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's been years. <laughs> probably got That's laid true. off after this whole bank heist thing. <laughs> That's true. Like, you got yourself taken hostage, shit. Like, maybe rethink your, your career choices. Oh, man. God, yeah, the boiling, boiling acid life. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I do love that this is a display of Batman's intelligence here, though, with uh, what he's about to do with the hearing aid. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's it's one thing to just say, like, oh, yeah, you know, take it for granted. Batman's smart. It's another thing to find ways to uh, to write in displays of that displays of the intelligence. And um, I think that was something that we didn't really get much of in in the Burton films. It was always implied, you know, it's like, oh, Keaton figured out the cosmetics stuff but uh you you never really got the scene where he actually does figure out the code he just kind of figures it out off screen and and here we just have a lot more time with batman that's why i I don't really buy keaton keeps saying like oh the script sucked and stuff i'm just like actually it's it's a better script (laughs) than what he was working with earlier like and it's way more bruce wayne way more batman uh way more stuff to work with uh because it's more bruce wayne centered than either the Burton films and obviously, you know, I'm a fan of the Burton films, but there's a lot here that uh, I can appreciate. That's just not in those previously two movies. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I think the, the focus on Batman is, is one of those things. Uh, And I think Kilmer is underrated in the role. Yeah, definitely. Um, He was, he was my, uh, other than the, you know, the animated universe, he was kind of like my Batman. I mean, it's weird because like I have like contradictory things because I say like he was my Batman, but I also do remember um, one of my parents telling me that apparently when I was younger and I wanted like an action figure, the only one mm-hmm. I specified I wanted the Michael Keaton Batman uh, action mm-hmm. figures. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I might be full of shit right now, but from what I remember, <laughs> <laughs> he was he was a uh, he was your Batman for a time. Uh, yeah. But uh, to me, Kilmer is, um, he doesn't quite have the feeling of a uh, creature of the night aspect that Keaton had, but it's a different interpretation. It's a more superheroic Silver Age Batman interpretation. So that's not really, he didn't really have a choice uh, yeah. in, in that matter. But uh, I really do love the Bruce Wayne characterization that he has with him as the uh, you know, he's the philanthropist, he's the businessman, he's he's providing for people, he's he's looking out for other people, 
including, you know, obviously Robin and stuff. It, it's, it's one that we didn't really get to see explored. And, and I think the Schumacher movies have built a bad reputation as being like, Oh, it ruined Batman. I'm just like, yeah, but if you look at the actual Batman characterization and how they represent just that character, it's actually pretty solid. Yeah. And then I know you probably know famously that Bob Kane uh, said, that, <laughs> said with this that he is like, oh, this is how I always drew Batman talking about Val Kilmer, which is kind of yeah, shitting on my he's, my he's my favorite Batman. What? <laughs> like, Clooney's going to be the new Batman? Clooney's my favorite Batman. That's the way that Andrew and I have kind of reasoned that he was just going to say that about anybody yeah, at that exactly. point. But I guess it's nice that he's got the on-the-record endorsement from Bob Kane at the, you know, back in 95, when I don't think anybody knew that much about the Bill Finger stuff, unless they were like really hardcore about the comics, but I certainly didn't when I was seven, you know. Yeah. So it's it, it's cool that he's got that endorsement, but then when you find when you find out more about Bob Kane, you're like, uh, I don't know how much that's really significant. Yeah. Uh, like uh, I just feel like also not to be too cynical. It's like, yeah, he's the best Batman. Where's my check? <laughs> yeah that's true, that too it's like yeah. Warner Brothers Come on. <laughs> gave him my stamp of approval that's at least worth <laughs> at least worth a few Franklins yeah. I see some 10 plus broads in this picture <laughs> <laughs> I love the shot of him in the water coming oh up. that's a great that's an awesome shot yeah yeah that's <clears> like be heavy in the water yeah oh yeah that too that too uh, I'm sure that's not Kilmer either Mm-mm. in that moment there's no um some because some people ask me about like well how come it how come they didn't have michael keaton do this or that because I, I recently interviewed a, a bat suit double uh movement double for it and it's just like if you, you gotta understand show business like most of the time unless you absolutely need this guy for this shot like it's close-ups and acting it's line delivery uh, you know, you only have them for a certain amount of time, especially if they're traveling to get to where you are. If you're shooting in England and you're casting an American actor, you only have them for like a certain amount of months. So you want to prioritize all the stuff that you absolutely need them. And then anything else, you can get some English dude in a bat suit to, to fulfill <laughs> that. You don't need to have, you don't need him to do every single thing where like it's not, doesn't have to be obvious that it's him. Right. And it's... Uh, uh- it's one of those things with the uh, VHS versus like the digital version. When you watch VHS, you can't really tell yeah. when they switch them out, but you can definitely tell when it becomes digital. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially like the close up on, uh, you see Batman's face a bit when he's fighting Bob, or not Bob, the, uh, the swordsman in 89. You're just like, that's not Keaton. <laughs> it's definitely not Keaton. Just looking at, looking at his face. Uh, so this, it was cool to be introduced to Wayne Enterprises in uh in this sequence because we never really got that in the previous movies either this is the first time that that we've seen it the wayne foundation was always mentioned in the 66 show but i don't think we really got a look at it uh at least i i haven't watched every episode yet of the 66 show but i don't uh from what i've seen so far it's always just mentioned never actually shown so this is kind of the the first time that we've gotten it and then uh we might see him again but john favreau is one of the aides Right. the back uh, we can't see him right now kilmer is just covering him right now happy hogan uh, yeah <laughs> or happy hogan <laughs> you know, happy hogan was working for val kilmer 
it's where he got the idea. I've heard the joke too. I think it might have even been from the Kevin Smith commentary where he was talking about the uh the little display that we're gonna see later, where it's like that's where he got the idea for the Iron Man display from is where you see Alfred's oh. face. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. That's a that's a good point. Yeah. What this device think? is clearly a blender. Yeah, clearly. Uh this I love this guy, the stickly guy. Like yeah. <laughs> What the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> he's he the line knows, deliveries. Yeah, he knows what's up to. Yeah, he knows he's in a cartoon like Joel Schumacher famously shouted before each take, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know that was reported for Batman and Robin, but I'm sure some of that was in there with Batman Forever, too. Yeah. Uh, now, the people listening were probably aware, but if they're not aware already, that the theatrical cut is not. Uh, the original way that it was scripted in terms of the order of the scene. So the way that it's done here, the original way it originally was, was that the scene with Bruce and, and the future Riddler was actually going to be part of the opening of the movie. Then he saw the bat signal, then he went to the cave, suited up, and then stopped Two-Face. But in this version, it's been reordered. It happens afterwards. So people have brought up that in the theatrical cut, the flaw is that Edward Digma becomes Riddler because Batman was answering the booty call. Oh, that signal from Chase Meridian. <laughs> so technically, it's Chase Meridian's fault <laughs> in wanting to bang Batman that the Riddler is created in the theatrical cut. I'm like, you know, there is they do have a point there, right? Um, there's like a weird kind of, and they I, not to say weird. It's kind of almost like a relationship thing they imply, like it's with with uh, Riddler, where it's kind of like he's almost in love with him, almost. Yeah, I think people have read into that as well, and I'm I'm not I'm not sure how much of that is just because you know uh, Joel Schumacher is an openly gay director, and people sort of see the subtext in it, or if the subtext is there and is brought into it, and I, and I just don't see that as a straight guy, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it, I, maybe it is, but you know, as a kid, it was always just like, oh, we idolized him, and he, you know, his hero was let down, that type of thing. Ah, uh, there's the Iron Man display. Yeah. So uh, I always thought this was cool with the the pod that was coming to the bat cave must have been hell to build. Yeah. I just imagine all the, he must've done that in between movies or something because yeah. it take a while. <laughs> yeah. He and have, I do like this Gotham. Yeah. Like, Oh, I love that shot too. I love the kind of it's, I don't know if you've ever seen the flash uh, TV series, the one that from the nineties. Yeah. I've seen the first couple episodes. I want to see more. It's just, I'm waiting for it to hit HBO max. Yeah, but um, it, it's kind of gotten, I know it's it was aping off the Burton films at first, but mm-hmm. it's kind of got this kind of feel where it's almost like, uh, I would just describe it as this too, where like the comic book pages are almost bleeding onto the film. That's how it kind mm-hmm. of feels with the lighting and the color choices and everything. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I remember as a kid, I'm just like, this, this is a living comic book. Just like yeah. what, before I found out that Schumacher wanted that specifically. And just the colors and stuff. I'm like, well, it's not, it's a different feel from the Burton stuff, but it was still, it still felt like Batman. It still felt like the comics um, in, in terms of just the visual palette uh, of that. So it's just Meridian <laughs> trying to get Batman's utility belt here. Not being very uh, subtle either. <laughs> right. Uh, whenever, so I've seen, yeah, I've seen Batman forever a number of times with, with, uh, girls i've dated because most you know most of the time they're also batman fans or oh, want to get into it and uh every single time the chase meridian stuff comes up they're just like 
<laughs> they're, they're always just, just like the way that they wrote women. And, and it's ironic, too, because it's a female co-writer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like, yeah, I can see that where it's just like she's just everything that she does is built around trying to get with Batman. Uh, so I'm like, I can't blame that, even though. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd be interested in checking out the comics to see where that element is missing and, and what she provides for it. Cause it sounds as if based off of what I've read about it, that she's kind of just more of an ally to Batman in a way and in, in stuff that's going on in Arkham. So I'm like, okay, that could be interesting to see. I don't know if she's a love interest or has any potential becoming a love interest in the, in the comics right now. <laughs> Sorry, this part where he just, <laughs> he wanders out, Commissioner Gordon wanders Gordon. out in his pajamas. <laughs> you have to wonder, he's like, oh, there's a signal when <laughs> he gets out of bed in the robe. He's got to get into his car, drive all the way down to downtown, get hops his way up to the top just to find out that it was Jace Meridian the whole time. And then, I don't know if there's been any consequence afterwards of of Chase Meridian having illicitly used the bat signal, but we didn't hear anything about it. Yeah. I, I imagine he would be pissed considering <laughs> got out of bed for this at like what? Well, no, man. Someone needs to check on Gordon. I think maybe his wife might have kicked him out of the, out maybe. Of the house. <laughs> He's sleeping, He's sleeping the... on the couch at Bullocks or something. <laughs> yeah, sleeping at the couch of the GCPD. <laughs> it actually probably isn't too late because the bat signal was on at like still during work hours and so. So, and then Bruce, you know, it's a pretty fast commute to get to the bat cave. So he needs some time to get. So we're looking at what? Maybe eight o'clock when the bat signal comes on <laughs> so gordon turns in at like 8 p.m in the evening <laughs> i have to do my job right now no <laughs> i think i'll take a nap yeah he's got you know he's got to roll out bed in there somewhere <laughs> <laughs> or it's bullock's couch or something yeah i would love to see bullock especially like i wish that they would so far, the only thing I've seen live action other than, you know, like fan films and stuff is like Gotham do Bullock. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, it, he'd be great in the Batman. I'm, I'm sure there's other movies they could do it in the future where they could bring Bullock in. Yeah, especially because they they've had more of an emphasis on the GCPD in the, in the more modern movies. It's just like, yeah, OK, but you're not going to bring in Bullock and Montoya or I'm like, yeah, we had Montoya, but Montoya in something that was had no Batman, no Commissioner yeah. Gordon. <laughs> None of that. So I'm like, that's not what I mean by getting bringing in Montoya. Uh, but it it'd be great. Bullock is in the novelization. Of, oh, really? Uh, of Batman Forever. Yeah, he's the uh, he is written in as the cop who is up on the rooftop when Gordon's like, he's not coming. Shut it down. And then the Batwing comes and Kilmer <laughs> gives his thumbs up. It's <laughs> my day. favorite moment of the movie. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. I used to always like, I think I stood up. <laughs> it's like, you know, that scene of Batman Forever where he stands up where there's the bat say That's how I stood up. Like, I'm ready. Yes. <laughs> like, whenever that scene came up, if I was in the movie theater, I'd just start clapping. That's absolutely for kids at that, yeah. at that part, you know? Because, like, Gordon can't even see the thumbs up from there. He's all the way down on the, on the rooftop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm still learning. I'm still learning trust and social interaction right now. <laughs> hey, it's on. Make effort. He's on the cover of Time Magazine now, so I guess he's making some progress with being That's more true. public. Yeah, yeah, d- definitely. Like the, the the Bruce Wayne in the Schumacher movies actually has a public image as opposed to the the Keaton one, which is, shows evolution if you're looking at it in the same continuity, or is a completely different take if you're looking at it as, as a different continuity. 
So I, I always thought of it as a, as a sequel that just kind of changed, like Gotham changed uh, in between movies and whatever. I just accepted it more as a kid. Now these days, people are all about like, you know, how, how will they explain this recasting? I'm just like, it's called recasting. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's nothing really that out of the box for this. It's just kind of how it, how it was at the time. People didn't really see the whole multiverse thing. And now, technically, I guess this is in a different continuity where uh, 89 and a return to previously happened in some way to the Kilmer Batman. And uh, it just kind of continued from here, but returns didn't necessarily continue into forever for Keaton. Um, considering that we're going to get other appearances of him. Uh, is it just me or did, does Nigma's hair get redder after this? They did, I don't know they, if it's, they did something weird with his hair in this. Uh, yeah. I don't know what they did. It's like they gave him a brighter color, brighter red wig for this part after he uh, has Stickley go through all the stuff. I always noticed that. I'm just like, I don't know if that was deliberate or they just made a mistake that day. Do you think it's production. the lighting maybe? It could be. It could be. Uh, I just always thought like, oh, like it also came like his hair turned red from using it so much, which is why his hair is so vibrantly red when he's uh, when he's the Riddler. But then... When he's Edward Nigma, I guess he's also wearing a wig in the, the character, not necessarily Jim Carrey. It's obviously Jim Carrey's hair, more likely. Um, but like, I don't know, the, the issue of, uh, of Edward Nigma's hair always kind of it didn't mystify me. But I always I wondered about it sometimes watching this where just like, OK, which one is is the wig and which one is real uh, on that? Because it seems like the Riddler one with the red hair would be the wig. But then his hair is red already in this stuff. So I'm like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, like he's. I know other people have said it too. He's more like Mad Hatter in this than he is like the Riddler. Yeah, over the whole brain sucking thing. Like I, I get it. Uh, yeah. But you know, you just part of it's also like you got to go for a big movie like this. You got to go with the more famous villain. Yeah, you can't necessarily be like, oh yeah, especially at this time, right? Like they yeah. can't just be like. Uh, the, the bachelors themselves had, had told me that they, they couldn't go with Bane at the time. They couldn't go with somebody who was just a no-namer. They wanted somebody no-namer at that time. They yeah. had to go with somebody who, like, anybody, anybody knew because of the 60s show. They had to go famous on this. So it makes sense. And, like, yeah, Mad Hatter's in the 60s show, but <clears throat> you know, 1995, you're really going to put Mad Hatter in there versus the Riddler? No, you're going to put the Riddler in there. You're going to have... <laughs> yeah, you're going to have Frank Gorshin get, uh, you know, reimagined and from another major actor, major star, because that's how you do it. Now, these days, you can kind of get away with it. You know, like people are talking about potentially Court of Owls in the Batman 2. And like you couldn't do even the Court of Owls was around in the 90s. There's no fucking way that they would have let them be the villains for Batman Forever or any of those movies. There's just no way they're not famous enough at that time. But now you can experiment more, especially because people are already joking about how there's like 50 different Batman. I'm like, all right. Let's bring in characters we haven't seen before on film. Right. Um, I know definitely this is like, um, like perfect. Like I would say that this movie, their interpretations of it, like there's a certain kind of movie being made in the nineties that I don't know if you could make today, but this is yeah. perfect for like a nineties Riddler. Like you can't get any better than Jim Carrey. Like it's the best yeah. version of what we would probably see back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like there's no way we would have gotten Zodiac, Paul Dano, Riddler at 95. They're just like, uh, you're crazy. Is what they would have said if they if they tried to make that uh, back then. But now it's just like, all right, like let's see some 
it's the time of reimaginings. Whereas over here, it, it was a time of like, yeah, let's bring this, let's like turn this into a franchise. You know, yeah. surprise this character moment. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no no! Uh, I was surprised they have suicide and like this like mostly light popcorn movie. I mean, there's darker elements, but just having like a suicide and even though it's fake, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. I don't even remember if I knew what that was at the time. I think I just figured like, oh, Ruler killed a guy but got away with it. Yeah, like to seven year old me, like that's what it was. It wasn't like, oh, like here was the note and like you know, it's not under the insurance policy. Bruce is covering it anyway. Like I didn't even understand that beat, which I love. Of Bruce being like he gets full benefits no matter what. Like as a seven-year-old, I don't understand that. But as an adult, I'm just like, oh damn, you know, that's that's that classic philanthropist Bruce. Yeah. You know. Uh now we got bad days playing as we get song. Yeah. Uh did you have the soundtrack? Uh get the soundtrack. I did not. I had the trading cards uh, growing up, which I actually showed you before. But um, oh I have so I have some of them right now nice Ooh, the uh (laughs) the stickly suicide thing like the i told you before that my vhs copy only picked up at the circus so whenever they were going over that part i like as a kid i'm like i don't know what they're talking about so i just kept like (laughs) watching it i was like yeah this means (laughs) also like i was at the age where i'm like i'm here for the vibrant colors and to see batman kick ass and that like i i didn't really care what was going on with him and chase meridian to me it was just simple like Oh, like that's his girlfriend, and well, that's it. Like I, I didn't really care about the content of it until when I was older. When you know you start looking for different things, but when you're, you know, when you're the age that I was in this, like if if I just see a bat guy in a bat suit fighting a bunch of henchmen, I'm happy for the yeah. whole movie. Exactly, but um, I know that I lost my train of thought, but um. No worries. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. With uh, Nicole Kidman, I was thinking about that. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of, like, not being interested in the whole, like, kissing stuff, even though, like, I noticed, like, girls in there, it's like, oh, I like, she's pretty and stuff. I think my dad, whenever they actually kiss in there, it's mm-hmm. like, this is also Alex's childhood stuff. So last time I talked about Nasty Ping one, this time I'm going to talk about <laughs> this. <laughs> but they, they kiss in that bedroom scene that we see later. And I think my dad mm-hmm. wandered in and he's like, oh, smoochy, smoochy. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder what my parents would have thought at that time about it. Where, like, Nicole Kidman is practically naked. With the bed sheet on, Batman comes in. You kind of know what's up, you know. Now, now as an adult, but as a kid, you're just like, whatever. It's adults doing adult stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure the parents are just like, uh, where's this going to lead to? Because if they went with the Bachelor script, it would have cut to, <laughs> it would have cut to Batman with just the mask on, naked from the neck down. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and Chase being like, you know, is it? How come you didn't take the mask off and stuff? Like literally, he has sex with Chase in the original script with the Batman mask on. <laughs> I'm like, mask on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> kind of glad that was cut. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that I love in the script that didn't make it into the movies that I wish was in there. Love scene, not really, <laughs> not really something that uh, I, I was missing. I'm like, you know, it's a good thing they cut this. <laughs> it's a good thing they changed it, and it's, it is what it is in the movie. The All Star uh, Batman. The, that's what I was referencing earlier. Yeah. With the, we the keep the mask on. on. Yeah, it's better this way. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a page from them before they even made it. Yeah, Frank I, Miller yeah. must have read that. <laughs> 
did you already know about All-Star's reputation before you read that, or did you discover it while it happened the way I did? I it, Here's the weird thing. When I was younger, I guess I was, like, it, I, it was around the time I was first discovering or getting back into comics, I guess I'd say, like, really mm-hmm. getting into them. Because I think the first thing that kind of got me interested again was there's a documentary called Comic Book Superheroes Unmasked. Mm-hmm. That was like one of my all-time favorites. And they talked about um, The Dark Knight. But even before that, I had like this book that my dad got me, which was like from the Adam West show all the way uh, up to The Dark Knight Returns. And I remember seeing that image of mm-hmm. like the Joker just, you know, s- spread up against that wall. And then he just snaps his mm-hmm. neck. And I was like yeah. eight years old or like nine. <laughs> I'm like, what? It was like kind of upsetting. I was like, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> and I got into comics later, but yeah, I, I read gotcha. that and I read the strikes again and Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all-star. And I, I mm. guess I kind of at the time, I don't know if it's an excuse or I was being an apologist, but I guess at the time I thought, well, this has to be parody. There's no way that like he actually is like, this is clearly him like, you know, messing with the conventions and stuff. I think it is. Uh, I think it is too. I think, the because his intentions in Dark Knight Returns are different from his intentions later on. Like Dark Knight Returns, he's on record saying, like, I didn't intend on making him an anti-hero. I wanted him to be a hero. You know, I wanted him to be pure because just other people took the dark anti-hero stuff from it. And I think he was kind of like, all right, if you like that shit, I'm just going to go balls to the walls with that <laughs> and, and have him force Dick Grayson to eat rats in the Batcave and, and, and that. But, you know, I was expecting All-Star Batman and Robin when I picked it up to be like, oh, yeah, Frank Miller reimagines robin's origin story the same way he did year one and this is going to be the ultimate robin origin story and then like the first issue it's okay I, I, i'm I, you know i'm a teenager when it comes out so i don't mind the <laughs> fact that vicky vale is is in like three pages basically half naked but i was like yeah we didn't really need that but you know i don't mind it either <laughs> but then we get to the second issue man and then he's just like you know I'm the goddamn Batman. He's torturing Robin. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know about this. I will say this though. Um, if, and, and this made sense to me in my mind, I'm like, okay, if we're going by, this is a prequel to the, the um, Robin that we saw in strikes again. If yeah. he's like mentally tormenting this kid, then it mm-hmm. makes so much sense why he's so messed up in that book. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's helps explain it. I do like the overall idea of Batman being completely clueless how to raise a kid. I just think it could be portrayed a lot differently. And here we are at the beginning of the movie. As, oh, yeah, as, yeah. Thought. So it did it start even, right with this part? It wasn't even this part. It was the part <laughs> where it was like, I remember the exact line because I watched it so many times. It's like, um, I think it's uh, when he says, Radio detonator. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing. It's kind of strange that we there was no Warner Brothers logo. There's no credits. It's just the just the lights came dark and then suddenly it's Tommy Lee Jones yelling radio detonator. I'm like, I guess I, uh, in my mind too, I kind of was like, well, I guess I'm not missing anything important. Like if she started recording here. <laughs> It's true. Maybe thought it was like <laughs> the credits and then Two Face takes over and that's it. But you know, it it is the 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 I guess opening on the deaths of the Graysons and stuff uh is kind of true to some of the original drafts for the 89 movie when they tried to make it more of a Robin origin movie. So that that's an interesting sort of reimagining yeah. of this because I'm trying to I'm trying to put myself in your shoes as watching this for the first time and seeing. <laughs> 
this is the beginning, or not this part, but you know, the, the radio detonator part and everything on and seeing all the other things as your introduction to those versions of the characters. And it, it reads a lot more interesting in some ways. Uh, but I, <laughs> this is, I think, the first, no, it's not the very first time they did it, but it's the first time they did it on film where the, um, where they did the Grayson's origin. Yeah. Uh, and they decided to do the whole thing where like the uniforms are like the future Robin suit, even though like his Robin suits a lot, obviously a lot more stylized and darker than the traditional one that they got here. But it's a nice, you know, they got even back then they had Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, and then also like, what do you uh, I wanted to ask you this. It's not even something I wrote down, but um, sure. what, do you, what do you think uh, pisses you off more in terms of like the origin thing? Uh, Joker killing Batman's parents or Two-Face killing uh, Robin's parents? You know, it never, neither one pissed me off. Um, but if I were to choose about, like, if I were if I were to choose, I would say Joker killing Bruce's par- parents. Gun to my head, right? If I had to pick one, it would be yeah, Joker yeah. killing Bruce's parents would be the, the direction I wouldn't go with because that's not that's not what was in the original script. You don't really need that dynamic in order for the Joker versus Batman stuff to work, as opposed to here where I'm like, well, you don't really need to add yet another character like Boss Zuko. Doing, we have enough <laughs> villains as it is, and then there's already kind of been a rivalry between uh, the Robins and Two Face anyway, so it like it makes sense. Like Two Face killed Jason Todd's parents or killed his dad really yeah. in the comics, so like it, just kind of changing it so that he kills the Graysons. It it uh, it's not too bad, and also, I I guess if I were to when going by the movies, right? Going by the movies, I would pick right. Two Face killing the Graysons over Joker killing the Waynes because, like in, in eighty nine, it just feels like it feels like what it was, which is like the last minute twist they added in the rewrites, yeah. as opposed to here it was always there. But if I were to go by the comic stuff. Joker killing the Waynes, I'm like, okay, that kind of fits Joker's character as opposed to, like, I wouldn't really want Two-Face to kill the Graysons in the comic continuity because I don't... I always like the idea of Harvey Dent being redeemable. Yeah. Even though he does commit crimes and stuff, but him flat-out killing the parents of one of the Bat family members, that's when you're just like, you're in irredeemable territory here. I think it's fine for this version of Two-Face. Because he obviously doesn't get redeemed. He gets, you know, he takes a bath at the end of the movie. Uh, <laughs> but in, in uh, regular comic continuity, I, I wouldn't want that to happen. Yeah, you know, kind of excuse it more when it's um, Jason's Todd's, Jason Todd's dad because of the fact that Jason Todd's dad was mixed up in stuff. He was like a henchman type as opposed to like just clearly innocent people right. in this. So that, that's why I'm like, eh, if we're going by comics, then, then no. But here it is. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Radio detonator. <laughs> I just remember this. I, I remember the tracking lines and everything. Oh, and yeah. yeah, it came up and then it being all blurry and everything. Yeah. 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 I think uh, th- th- those are my picks. How about for you? This was your movie growing up, too. So I guess like you accepted Two Face Killing the Graysons, too. I didn't know any different back then. So it's just one of those yeah. things. I think thematically, um, for me, I don't like the whole, like, I, I kind of agree with you, the Joker killing, um, you know, Batman's parents. I don't like that. But I do like, like, kind of retroactively what it does. And it also in this movie, they address it. It kind of gives, 
Bruce a chance since this is like the third movie, like, you know, he comes up against this problem again with like one of the villains that he comes up against killing, you know, one of, in this case, a partner's parents instead of his parents. So he's able to maybe try to fix it this time, except he kills him at the end. So that kind of ruins it, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the big one. I think uh, novelization has the best possible version of it, but I also think like just the simple, I mean, it's cliched as fuck, but the whole thing about like, don't kill him, that type of thing. And then they save him and they throw him in jail. Like that's that classic thing would have worked thematically with this. And then you also wouldn't have, uh, you know, that you wouldn't have a kill count necessarily on, on Kilmer's Batman though. I mean, it's a little questionable with the, the car chase when he, he moves the car out of the way and the, the henchmen behind him get blown up, but I'm like, and he, you could debate about that a little more versus what he does to Two-Face. Yeah. He, uh, all he needed was the grappling hook or something. He could have just got him around like his leg or yeah, something. Yeah, he could have just caught him the same way that uh, Bale catches Ledger in uh, The Dark Knight at the end. You yeah. know, like they could have just done that or or Robin does it, you know, and just shows Robin's like evolution uh, and that like that could have been cool. And then, you know, you have the triumphant Elliot Goldenthal theme. We haven't talked about that yet, but yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I, Elfman will always have a spot in my heart for it, but like you know, this score from Golden Hall is is legit, and again, it, it's very it's very '90s bombastic uh, type of feel to the score, but it, it fits so well with the movie. And um, again, memorable themes. I kind of miss the days of memorable themes. That's why I like the new theme from Chikino so much. I'm just like, oh, like one that I can hum more. I mean, I love, I like every single Batman theme that's ever been done. <laughs> so I do like Hans Zimmer's stuff and Junkie XL's, but uh, to get back to something that's very simple me- melody was very refreshing to me. Right. Um, like I said before, like growing up with this, I know I already told you. I, oh, also another thing that I don't know if I've shared with you before. Uh, mm-hmm. Internet, don't roast me too hard. But um I didn't see Batman 89 until I was at least in sixth grade because mm-hmm. I saw Batman Returns. And I again, before I was really on the Internet or anything like I'm not the smartest person. So I saw Batman Returns. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's went the out first, of order. Yeah, that's the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Batman Returns the first movie. I'm like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> returns. Because <laughs> he returns because he was in the sixth. I mean, I guess that would make sense. You know, Batman 66 and then Batman Returns <laughs> to, you know, having stories again on screen or something. Turns forever. That seems kind of like a rush, but like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you're saying, uh, I think I know what you're going to lead to, but um, in terms of where you worried the internet was going to roast you in terms of seeing it out of order or, or just, about your opinions? I didn't see it till later. And honestly, this is the part that's the big reveal. I think I might have kind of known about it before, but I didn't see it until I was in sixth grade. And then mm-hmm. I was just like, wait, this is the one people talk. So I think it was on Cartoon Network. I think Cartoon Network had like a mm-hmm. premiere uh, of it back in the day and like i saw it and i'm just like this is it like i don't know <laughs> it's just kind of boring to me but then again i was a lot harsher on movies as a kid than mm-hmm. when i was just watching it i guess for action and when you know once i grew up you had the nolan trilogy going on mm-hmm. around that time too so there was mm-hmm. more to compare it to i guess mm-hmm. yeah i i go back and forth on which ones among the first three of the nineties, I think are, are the best ones. I think 89 just has a certain magical quality to it that comes 
from pretty much everything that's not the script. And that's yeah. not anything, yeah. that's not necessarily <laughs> anything against Sam Hams because I've reviewed Sam Hams' original scripts on it. It's just like there's clearly a lot of studio rewrites and stuff. Uh, but you know, the art direction obviously deserved the Oscar. The, the Batmobile is my favorite. The score from Elfman is great. There's all, a lot of that type of stuff. Uh, Returns to me is more emotional out of the two. And you know, it was the, yeah. I consider it the, the Batman movie of my adolescence, not because it came out when I was an adolescent, but it's because I just, that's the one I rewatched a lot when I was going, when, when I was in high school. And then this one though, I'm just like, you know what? There's a lot of underrated aspects. And if I'm going by representation of, of Batman's character, there's just so much more that's being presented here versus like, you know, they nailed creature of the night aspects. They nailed the mystery aspect of, of Keaton's version. But in terms of like heroism, compassion, intelligence, like all those other aspects that you associate with Batman too, there's like maybe a few small percentage of that with Keaton. And then there's big percentages of that with the Schumacher versions. Yeah. So I think it just really comes down to like what I'm in the mood for. If I'm in the mood for, uh, you know, just kind of a, something classic from my childhood that gets me into the world of Gotham city and Batman versus Joker, then sure. 89. If I'm in like a sort of lonely emo mode, then I'll go into returns. And then if I want like <laughs> super heroic Batman, uh, you know, world's greatest detective type shit while also, you know, the hairy chested love God of Neil Adams where he's going <laughs> to bed with like really hot women, then sure. I'll go with the, with uh, Batman forever, the Schumacher movies, uh, but forever in particular, because of like, that's the quality that they, they bring. So it's, it's cool to get uh, so many different interpretations. And, and I think as I get older, I get more appreciative of uh, the ones that maybe I didn't uh, fully appreciate when I was younger. You know, even Batman and Robin these days, you know, we've done a few episodes on that. And now I'm just like, OK, there's definitely elements of it that I appreciate now more than I did when I, you know, I was the only one as a kid that I, I only saw once. I never had the VHS tape. I never owned it. And then as an adult, now that I've seen it a few times for the podcast, I'm like, you know what? There's certain things I like about it. It's definitely the weakest out of the four, but uh, it's the stuff that I like. Yeah. Uh, I love how stylized the uh, flashback is in this. Like, I, this yeah. is something that stuck with me as a kid. I guess that's supposed to be the Joker right there. Uh, yeah, they shoot him just like, yeah, like, like the Jack Napier one. Uh, so this, yeah, and it's also the David Mazzuccelli image, you know, where he's kneeling by the, the deaths, you know, the bodies of his parents. We didn't get that in the Burton one. Yeah, it's just so, so like, the just the the vibe of it. It's like, I would say it's very much like a midway point or like a transitionary point between like how Burton did it. Like there's like still like, you can still kind of see like little elements of it and then Schumacher, but Schumacher also like, I feel like if Burton shot this, it'd probably look very different, but I like kind of like how the stylizedness and the color and everything just really works with this flashback. You got this blue like flame and everything. Yeah. Everything's very cold, very like an unpleasant, kind of flashback so everything kind of communicates it with how cold and like the, it you know, fits the that world is. yeah yeah it fits that world Red right, I got <laughs> yes <laughs> i wonder where that's gonna go <laughs> nowhere <laughs> nowhere because <laughs> it's the theatrical version yeah. uh all right i i I hate to do this, but after we're done with the scene, I got to take a piss. <laughs> okay, okay, you're good. <laughs> so like, let's, let's, let's finish this one and then maybe we'll pause. But I do, somebody brought up before, I'm like, how long was he daydreaming? Because it's daytime when he flashes back <laughs> and when he wakes up, 
it's already <laughs> night and it was it was like in the middle of the day type of thing it wasn't like eh, five six o'clock when uh when robin showed up right <laughs> all right uh you want to go ahead and stop here yeah all right uh i'll just go ahead and say guys we're stopping right there whether you see the um bat symbol in the window uh yep. we'll be right back uh all right <laughs> hey guys we're back um yep. andrew sorry ben is ready Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the guy next to you <laughs> but yeah he's ready so we're just gonna go ahead and start it back i refilled my um official mcdonald's licensed <laughs> batman forever mug we got uh just go ahead and show it for the product placement i guess <laughs> hopefully it won't cause you to have to deposit and go need the bathroom later yeah hopefully i won't get flagged either <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we're just gonna go ahead and start uh are you ready on your end yep all right uh we stopped mm-hmm. at the batman symbol uh being yep. right outside the windows so we're just going to start right now uh i know i was watching one of your recent episodes uh or is one of the patreon ones where you're talking about michael go and um yeah definitely is one of the underappreciated alfreds um out there i feel like if you're you've played alfred and your name is not michael kane you're an underappreciated alfred yeah i feel like most (laughs) of them are just kind of not seen by the public eye as as or recognized as much compared to you know batman fans and compared to uh, other other Alfreds who've been played, but yeah, this is the Alfred of, of our childhood right here yeah. of uh, this Alfred. So um, I don't know if I'm to the extent where I hear his voice in the comics because my co-host Andrew uh, he does. You know, I'm like, oh, that's interesting because like I grew up with all these movies, but I don't think I hear it so much uh, in the comics. But it is it is a voice of Alfred. Like it, it is one where like you hear it, I'm like oh, that's Alfred's voice, which is why it's trippy when if you watch. Uh, Michael Goff's previously previous work, and it's his voice coming out, but he's playing villains, and you're like, this is trippy, you know? <laughs> right? Um, I don't know if you saw. I know uh, on the Patreon you you mentioned um, some of his previous work. Have you seen? I actually saw it recently. Sleepy Hollow, uh, the Tim Burton movie. Yeah, yeah, he's that's another example, right? Yeah. Uh, though after this, after this, but uh, yeah, I saw Sleepy Hollow a while back. That might have been the first time I saw him in something that was not alfred or batman related it was unsettling man just seeing him not play <laughs> right. alfred mm-hmm. uh but yeah like this is also one of my like uh scenes i just remember from childhood like i think i have this mm-hmm. scene <laughs> basically memorized of uh them uh chasing them what's uh the, the weird uh I, in the 90s i don't really remember because i was a kid was like the whole piercing thing like a mm-hmm. really big thing back then i feel like it was it was like it's a sign you're a rebel and then now these days is like it's so common that you're just like all right whatever yeah but at the time it was just like oh these are these are edgy people and stuff right so <laughs> so two-face is firing this thing he moves the batmobile to get out of the way however the henchmen don't and they get blown up so i guess there is a debate on how responsible is batman for that in this um i feel that batman dodges to get out of the way but on the henchman to uh you know to do the same thing right <laughs> you know maybe not do the same exact move but at least like swerve a little bit or whatever um but it's not i don't think batman deliberately swerved out of the way so that two-face would hit his own men yeah 
those uh those masks i don't know those masks are pretty tight so i'm guessing <laughs> that probably some of their circulation to their brain is probably cut <laughs> off if i had to guess yeah <laughs> That's gonna be my excuse for 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 why Batman's not at fault. It's just their fault. They saw the rocket launcher coming. You heard him screaming. They couldn't. Yeah. But I know the uh, the Mister Sunday movies has the whole like Batman kill count video that went yeah. around, and even Zack Snyder acknowledged it. So that one counted. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess. But is it really? So at some point, uh, Andrew and I are gonna do an episode about the the kill rule and no kill rule, and and which ones kind of count in the movies and which ones don't. Uh, because like you've got ambiguous ones like that where you're just like, eh, like, I guess he's partially responsible, but is he really? Not really compared to like the Two-Face one. Like, yeah, it's not really his fault that Two-Face fell, but he didn't do shit when Two-Face started falling either. Right. <laughs> As opposed to here, I'm like, there's not really much he could have done from the Batmobile to have prevented those guys from getting hit. Yeah, other than have his Batmobile blow up. Like, <laughs> right, which is not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the Dark Knight. They're not going to do that. And this, uh, don't they blow it up? Though, never mind. Actually, I take it. They back. do blow it up. It's just not with him in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking up. about. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to blow up the Batmobile in this. Wait a minute. This is the one where they do do that. Yeah. Proving wrong again. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is this is the the Riddler origin. Him <laughs> coming. How do I come up with my name? And he ends up. I don't know how he ends up with the thing in the first place. The. I don't know. Uh, the mannequin dude in the corner because i i do kind of like the original idea of them being at the circus and uh in the original script they were at the circus and nigma was was stalking bruce at the circus and there was like a fortune-telling leprechaun which is kind of far-fetched in a way because like who the fuck when is there ever a fortune-telling <laughs> leprechaun at, at a circus but That's i like so the weird. idea yeah of, of nigma knocks the guy out takes on his leprechaun outfit and then pretends to be that leprechaun, but then he, he goes off of it and he, he adds the question marks in later. So it sort of explains it because they never really do. Um, you know, I, I've brought this up before, but like there's an explanation for why Bruce dresses up as a bat. There's explanations for why Selena dresses up as a cat, why Two-Face is obsessed with twos and, and got the scars. But for Riddler's like, why does he wear green? Fuck if we know, mm. you know, uh, at least in the Batman, right? The, it made sense because like it's army surplus store type of stuff. It already comes in green. Yeah. So it, it kind of it worked. Here it's like, uh, he's got some th- some mannequin guy in the corner of his <laughs> tiny apartment wearing the outfit. So that's where he, why he wears it. And I guess that's fine, you know, for ninety five. But these days, I'm like, there's not really a lot of explanations for this. You could also see Riddler in the corner of of Two Face's hideout if you look I didn't to the even right. Notice that? That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he's just been hiding there the whole time, which means he's just waiting for his entrance. He didn't like come in at that moment. He was just like, all right, when's a good spot? When's a good time to bring it up? Maybe after they're talking about this dinner that they made for him. <laughs> for Schumacher to give him a cue to come on screen. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. What do you, speaking of uh, Schumacher, what do you think of uh, Tim Burton's recent comments about um, mm-hmm. the Schumacher movies? I feel like, um, I feel like they've been taken to a different extreme. So I think somebody was just like, you know, Burton is shitting on the late Schumacher. I'm like, I feel like he's not because the, they were they were friends. He gave the franchise to Schumacher, and I think Burton was more criticizing the studio and stuff okay. because the studio let him go from Batman Returns for being too weird. Batman Returns stuff was too weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he's like, "Well, this is weird." Where you put the the nipples on the suit and stuff. So 
like you allow this that type of thing i don't think he was saying because he said go fuck yourselves yeah that's that, a I think extreme <laughs> that was a little, i'm like i don't know about that tim uh, but I, I feel like if he's directing any anger, it's towards the WB execs who kind of let him go or, or didn't, uh, you know, gave him basically a lot of shit for Batman Returns. I don't feel like he was doing that towards Schumacher himself. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I was always under the impression that, you know, they were friends. And, you know, Burton's name is on this, even though, like, he wasn't super involved past hiring, uh, helping to hire Schumacher and the screenwriters. But, uh yeah, I my thoughts are that it's it's more directed towards WB, right? Um, I and also like was the interview I didn't really look that far into it. Was it in print or was it uh like like an audio or video uh, interview? Oh, that's another thing. I think it's print. I think it's an interview of Empire. So it could have been taken. If you're thinking it's taken out of context, there's also that possibility too. Yeah, well, what's his tone? Like, was he kind of just he? He might have just been like, "Hey, go fuck yourself!" Like, you know, he's just kind of like whatever. Probably, like, you, if you've seen Tim Burton in interviews, he doesn't come on. Like, I never really seen him be like angry. Like, I can totally see Tarantino be oh, just like pissed yeah. off, being like, "Go fuck yourselves." <laughs> yeah. But with Burton, I can just see him like chuckle as he says it. Yeah, you know. So that's a whole other. There's, there's two different go fuck yourselves. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I, I very much see Burton sort of just nervously laughing about it and laughing about the experience. I don't see him being like legitimately pissed off about something that happened like 30 years ago Right at this point. Like you came out pretty well out yeah. of all this. Yeah, seriously. So uh, I, I don't think it's actually as, as big as people say it is. Right. And also people like it, you know, it's like context. He could have laughed after that. Like we just we don't know because we weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I just I picture him nervously laughing about it or laughing about the idea of it, exaggerating it and directing any ire that's there towards towards WB for sort of dropping the ball on the franchise that he helped started and how they didn't really give him the creative freedom that he wanted uh, originally on it. So I think that's where the frustration comes from. I don't think he's he's disrespecting Joel Schumacher at all. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, HD versus video, man, you can, re- I don't know if you noticed this, you can really see on Riddler the makeup line, like um, under his like. Oh, mask. I can see that. I can yeah. see that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. I don't remember seeing that as a kid, but now I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's very apparent, but also realistic, right? Because right now this is Edward Nigma before he becomes the big, you know, multimillionaire selling the box and that type of stuff. So this is like him in that little apartment putting on this makeup and shit. So I, I can excuse it and watch yeah. it. It doesn't take me out of it. Also, the difference to HD and video, you I, I've noticed this when on a rewatch, they um mm-hmm. uh as far as I know, every every time with Two Faces costume, one side is basically the normal business side, but they definitely do change up the other side. Like they'll yeah. add like little yeah. different elements to the suit and everything. Mm-hmm. Something I didn't notice on the first time. Yeah, they. Uh, I think they just wanted to go all out with the costume, and and you know, I I know that we're used to the anime series. Sometimes there's just the whole black and white thing, but I think they just wanted to. You know, go flamboyant, spice it up every now and then. They really love their art direction and costume departments and and this. And it's I'm sure it was a lot of fun for them. This is probably my least favorite scene right here with the laundry. <laughs> I just even as a kid, I thought this was lame. I don't know what you felt when you first saw this. But I was just like, eh. Yeah, you really think this is cool, but 
I don't know what I thought about it. It's one of those things <laughs> I just kind of watched. I'm just like, okay. Uh, but yeah. I remember weirdly, um, I, I think Al- Alfred has the same response where he was like, really? <laughs> like he's, <laughs> he's just kind of like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm like, you cut that. I mean, uh, you kept that one in, but you cut the one where he's working on the, there's a deleted scene of him with the punching bag and shit. Mm-hmm. And Bruce is like trying to talk to him and appeal to his pain. I'm like, that's what the whole movie's about. That's you, you cut that one, but you left it in him with the fucking laundry and stuff. So uh, I would have switched it up. And it's WB. They like, like you guys, you guys have kind of turned me around. I, I wasn't always super faithful in and wb but just now seeing it i'm like i think wb is the real super villains of all, all their movies <laughs> so I, I guess another thing that carries over from the keaton stuff is the the glasses on bruce because that's something that's weird yeah that starts with with burton and it's kind of a kind of a clark kent type of thing it feels like with with kilmer's and then with, with clooney it's just it's, it's been gone since clooney pretty much in terms of the glasses yeah, good. <laughs> uh, but I feel like Kilmer wears it more than Keaton did. Yeah, I, I, I've heard different theories on it. I've heard um, like, oh, this is, um, you know, this did it before the Batman, the whole them trying to f- figure out the riddles. But um, like the whole <laughs> well, intelligence. If you have Riddler, thing. then yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of the in terms of displaying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that also too, like like you said earlier, with him actually figuring out the that was one of the big things. I, I love the Batman. I think it's out of probably second to this. I've seen the Batman just multiple times. I'll have it on in the background, but um, nice. I love that um, Alfred and that actually helps him solve a lot of the stuff. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I, I think there's a bit of a debate about that because other people are just like, he, you know, Alfred does it for him. I'm just like, Alfred really doesn't do shit if you think about it. Like, he does figure out the cipher, but, like, Bruce still figures out the next five steps. They kind of that something, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that there's this bulldog that's uh, been hooked up to the box. Yeah, it's really weird, even as a kid. <laughs> I'm just like, what? <laughs> this is there for humor. And stuff. Yeah. What I think is weird is that there's this huge green ray that's coming out of the window from every household in Gotham, and nobody's just like, "This is fucking weird. We should probably investigate this." <laughs> or even Batman at this point is just like, "Nigma's up to something." Because look at all this. This does have not you, look normal. Have you seen the city? The city is <laughs> super vibrant and everything. I feel like that probably wouldn't phase him that much at this point. Like, I guess so. But still, the neon. Something, like Bruce already knew. He already knew that that Nigma was, was working on this stuff. It was like tampering with people's brainwaves. So to see this on like a massive scale, it's like there's a miss. There's a scene missing. It's not in any of the scripts of, of Bruce being I want like that jacket. Oh, the sparkly. Oh, yeah. 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 The jogging at night jacket. Yeah. 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 The one that lights up, too. Yeah. Yeah. But like there's there's no scene of Bruce being like, well, I thought this was a dangerous project. Uh, how is the hell is he able to get all this, you know, mass produced? And I feel like there's something weird about this. Like there is a, a scene they cut of them investigating the the box, but like the, the contents disintegrate inside of it. And I would have liked something like that because it at least would have shown like Bruce is somewhat suspicious of uh, of Nigma during this time. Instead, we kind of had to wait until the party for him to confront him. But at that point, he's already he's already sold so much of this shit that like he's he's already like a rival, a business rival to Wayne Enterprises. Right. Um, 
Now, I don't know about you, and this is just like a random thing. I know, so I know it says in true alert, but as like a kid, I it, it the voice sounded really weird, and it might have just been the recording I had. But it sounded like it said intruder Pollock, intruder Pollock. Oh, <laughs> like, you know, I thought that I thought that too. Yeah, yeah, that too. I don't I don't think I really realized it was intruder alert until until Riddler says it. Yeah, man, he's got those sideburns, those ninety sideburns. This fifty uh, year old man, they <laughs> have. Just, <laughs> it's it's Robin. Robin. Yeah, I do think this movie would have been better with a younger Robin, with yeah. like a you know just getting him at it like eighteen even. You know, like he maybe you know it's a little older, but you know when they when they cast Tom Holland as as Spider Man, like sure he was actually in his early twenties, I think, but he didn't come off like he was in his early twenties. He was able yeah. to, to act younger and act like okay, he this this is believably a sophomore in high school or junior in high school, but they just didn't do that at this time, and and it, it's I think it's to the detriment of it because of the fact that. Uh, it's it's not just the fact of that like you're used to a more a younger Robin. I think it's also that uh, Robin in the Schumacher movies is a brat, and yes. a brat's more excusable when you're like 16, 17. When you're 25, close to you know getting close up there to 30, then you're just like okay, you're just a piece of shit. <laughs> like you're just an asshole yeah. <laughs> at that point. You you, you see it. Uh, you're you're a lot more forgiving when it's a young kid and it's supposed to be a young kid since it's you know it's Robin. So I, I think that's why it doesn't. It doesn't work, even though I think Chris O'Donnell does what he can with it. He's just he's just given the material that makes him unlikable in this version of, of Robin. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I know that um, uh, you can't like really have him as like a kid or anything or try to pass him off as like the whole um, like oh yeah, like he's um, he doesn't have anyone now. It's like he has to adopt him, but yet like they have the joke later. It's like how about? Uh, Dick Grayson, college student. I'm just like, you can't really, really try to pass him off as like <laughs> adoption age. What are you talking about? He's in college and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Like, it, it gets messy. So, like, if you just go younger, it solves a lot of the, it solves a lot of these issues. You get the classic Batman and Robin dynamic, uh, father son stuff. It just, it just would have worked out better. Uh, but yeah, Chris O'Donnell, it's not really his fault, really. Uh, on the, I get why he was cast. You know, he was he was a rising star at the time and other things, and so it seemed to fit. But the, you know, maybe if they had rewritten it where uh, where it was a little different, you know, where it wasn't like necessarily adopting him after the death of his parents, but it was just like this this guy who just then goes out and tries to tries to go after Two Face, and, and Bruce knows that pain and, and tries to mentor him and help him, then that would have been different versus like, I'm going to have you stay at my place and bribe you with burgers <laughs> in a motorcycle, uh, <laughs> all that type of stuff. It's like they were trying to add in the, the traditional Robin elements, but they weren't accounting for how they were changing the traditional Robin elements. Yeah, um, I know that with, um, I know we're both not really a super fan of this, but um, Titans... If you were mm-hmm. just to cast like, uh, and I know the guy that plays Jason Todd isn't is probably around the same age, but just someone who's like, like you said with the Tom Holland thing, it's kind of passable as like a younger kid or could play like maybe at the most like 14, 15, mm-hmm. maybe even 16 if you want to push it a little bit, then like that would be better than like this person who's clearly like <laughs> an adult. <laughs> yeah, he's clearly like they probably have heard the joke too. One of my favorite podcasts talked about it where they were saying like uh they're closer to age. They probably went to high school together. Like <laughs> <laughs> 
man i hate how the car looks right here the rabbit yeah the rabbit ears when it's split up that's why i just i don't like the split fin i'm fine with it having a fin uh i know andrew just hates the like the huge fin i'm like i don't necessarily hate it but it it is a little weird it's it's that giant uh and that it splits like a rabbit it has rabbit ears like that but like if it's just if it's a smaller fin then that's classic that's fine no Uh, (laughs) the uh the the the, you got these prostitutes i guess like um which then plays weird if you have a tom holland type as his yeah. dick, to be fair <laughs> <laughs> but also to be fair you didn't have to write this in the script it's weird it's a weird scene <laughs> even as a kid I, I like the the um the neon gang like i think that's yeah. a cool element uh the dragon i remember just being like kind of like thinking the I, I forgot what the guy's name is it's something dragon though yeah it's, don the dragon yeah i think like, yeah i remember being like just thinking that was cool i don't know why um probably because it might not fit but i know recently they did the it's like this batman comic it's, it seems like it's kind of in the future i think bruce wayne is supposed to be dead or something maybe i don't remember is either. that uh future state either that or dark or detective maybe oh yeah 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 the that that era so that do they have this type of uh gang there the neon uh, guys uh not really just more the aesthetic of it like the neon oh, okay. kind of yeah yeah, like I think it was it, fit. It, it's funny because I remember people are just like, oh, like Fuck Schumacher and his like neon Gotham or stuff. And then you cut to the Batman or just like, we need neon lights to make it feel like. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, so neon's acceptable, just not not the way that Schumacher did it, I guess, according to, to those people. But, you know, I'm like, look, this it fits. It fits this version of the city. I think I think once we got into Nolan territory where it was literally just like, all right, let's shoot on the Chicago street. That's when I really started missing the nineties Gotham aesthetic. Yeah. It's definitely gone through like an evolution. I think this is definitely one of those soft reboot type things with this movie before there was like really a term for that. Yeah. It wasn't even, yeah. The reboot wasn't even the thing at this time, but that's, Mm -hmm. it's a sort of a, an early version of that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this is like one of the scenes that stuck out to me, definitely. Like, I know it's coming up pretty soon, but whenever he kind of gets in the face of Batman and just takes out all this frustration about, Mm -hmm. you know, everything. Like, like this movie has its moments. He's definitely more, I've heard the criticism before, he's definitely more Jason Todd than he is Dick Grayson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, In terms of the rebelliousness, in terms of the origin of Two-Face, and, and that so like if you were to replace if you reimagine this with the like the jason todd actor from titans it feels like oh this fits as like the jason todd story especially this moment right here yeah he's, he's just it's funny because he's punching exactly where like his arms are it's not like he's moving his arms or anything like he's just hitting both of his like shoulders <laughs> that's true yeah maybe go for the face like you're not ready to go out there because you can't fight for shit yeah (laughs) it's probably what batman should have said (laughs) but yeah we we would also probably feel sorry more if that was a kid doing that you know yeah it'd be more like you know more sympathy instead of like an adult man fighting another adult (laughs) man in the street (laughs) Uh, yeah so it's that's one of the big things and then um it's, it's that aspect, and then I think uh, I've always been... I've always appreciated Chase Meridian, the idea of the Chase Meridian character. I just think that it's 
it's been dated in terms of how much she's centered around him. Yeah. The execution just being so centered around him. I'm just like, you could have done a lot more subtle ways of doing that than what happened in the bat signal scene. And also just the fact that the amount of women I know who are just like, Ugh. <laughs> when, when she comes on screen, I'm like, that should not be the reaction to the main female character of this movie uh, from where I'm sitting. So I think that I love the idea of it. It's just the execution is very much, yeah, it makes sense because it's 95, but right. I'm, I'm interested in seeing what they do in the in these recent comics where clearly whoever the writer is of this is, is uh, enough of a fan to carry that character over. So I, I want to see this reimagined version of Chase because there's always room for um, building off interpretation. You know, Batman started off as basically a shadow ripoff in 39 and, and didn't have a lot of these other qualities that we associate with him now. So like I, I'm open to seeing... Like, you know, the character evolved past this Nicole Kidman version. Right. Um, I know that also during this time in the 90s, there was a, um, I haven't finished the Nightfall run, but there was a character kind of like similar to this. It's like a doctor type character. Chandra. Yeah. Yeah. That he was into. Um, I I thought for some reason, because I I was introduced to, to Nightfall around the same time too. There was like a kid's novelization. I got that. It blew my mind too. I'm just like, Dick Grayson becomes Nightwing. There's a new, (laughs) there's another Robin. There's a dead Robin too. Like what the hell? (laughs) What's going on? Yeah. It introduced me to like what was beyond what we had seen in the movies. And I remember seeing Dr. Chandra consolving and just because of the fact they were both doctors, I'm like, Oh, maybe this is what, Chase Meridian is based off of. And then, you know, I read through it. I'm just like, oh, this doesn't seem, it seems like their main similarity, <laughs> similarities are love interest and our doctors, but they're very different doctors. Uh, and it, it, but it would have been interesting, you know? Yeah. Um, you would definitely be uh, casting more along the lines of Holly Berry than Nicole Kidman, too, if you were going to be uh, doing Chandra, which also could have been interesting, could have been the first uh, African American uh, female lead in a Batman movie. Before yeah, uh, before Catwoman, <laughs> yeah, she's great too. By the way, Zoe Kravitz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And before, and before Catwoman in uh, the Batman, uh, I was thinking the Holly Berry Catwoman. Movie oh yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> technically, <laughs> be that one. Uh, Eartha Kitt, even before that, but that was TV. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love the fact that Nigma has his own fake mole to match Wayne's in here because yeah, of how much he wants to. To replicate it yeah i didn't really pick up on like some of that stuff like but now just watching it as like an adult like you said you pick up on like other little things like he wants to be him so much that he even replicates like even like uh what some people would consider like imperfections like a mole on like your face like he even yeah. does that mm-hmm. that's why i also think that this version of the riddler is is underrated. I mean, I guess okay. So you did you did your hot take on stuff. My hot take on, on on this is that I think I like Riddler's origin in Batman Forever more than in the Batman <laughs> because wow yeah yeah <laughs> Be, because first off we get way more Riddler in general of this, but I also think it's just way more personal between Nigma and Batman in this one. Like in the Batman, it was just like okay, he look he does look up to him. He's inspired by him, and and you need that for the arc that's in that movie. And it works for that movie, but here, but, but I mean, there wasn't really anything super personal against Batman or even really Bruce Wayne. I mean, yeah, he does go after Bruce Wayne, but you know, there's all those fan theories in, of the Batman about whether or not uh, Edward Nashton was the son of that reporter who was killed and the timeline just doesn't match up uh, yeah. for that. But that would have made it more personal if, if he thought that Thomas Wayne killed 
his father, then that would have made him personal. But it's just kind of like, no, he's just picking Bruce because he's the son of a guy who was corrupt at some point and corrupt people screwed him over. As opposed to this one where it's like, it's very much against Bruce Wayne. It's very much him versus Bruce. And there's an explanation for the uh, the double identity for Riddler. There's an explanation for the costume is in a practical way where much like Bruce is both Bruce and Batman, Nigma is Edward Nigma, the corporate businessman, and the Riddler at night. Like they have this parallel here that I that I really love. Uh, on top of that, so I think that uh, yeah, to me, this is this is probably still my favorite Riddler origin because I I, I like the personal connection that uh, that comes about from it. I like the explanation for the costume that comes out of it. That's, you know, it's not the leprechaun thing from yeah. the script, but it's, it's still an explanation that it makes sense that he would disguise himself in, in the bright green and the mask and the, and the red hair uh, because he has an actual public persona, as opposed to most versions of the Riddler, everyone knows it's Nigma. Everyone right. knows it. Like there's not really much of a point for him to be wearing it here. There's an actual purpose of the costume. So uh, that's, that's my take on it. Doesn't mean that I hate the version of the Batman. I like, I like the version of the Batman. I thought Paul Dano was great. Oh, yeah. But uh, if I were to, to look in terms of representation of the Riddler character, uh, this one this one still has a lot going for it that I think people overlook just because they're just like, eh, it's, it's Ace Ventura as the bad guy. Like, eh, you're, you're skipping out on a few things here that they added to it that, that uh, you've been overlooking just because it's Jim Carrey. Right. Um, I know that definitely he, uh, I was thinking about it while you were talking about it. And, um, I feel like he's like a dark mirror image of, uh, Bruce, even down to like, they look alike kind yeah. of thing. And like mm-hmm. the whole vibe of like the, like you said, the personas and like, you know, the whole Riddler thing and the Batman thing. Like, I definitely do think it's like, um, Riddler is who Bruce Wayne would be, I guess, if he didn't have like a moral compass or anything, because both of them are very like smart and intelligent and in what they yeah. do mm-hmm. and everything. And like, it's kind of like, I guess if his parents never got killed and he never like developed um, a like, sense of morality. Yeah. Like he was just all about himself and furthering his own, basically like real life millionaires, like uh, Elon Musk and stuff like that. So, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, people have brought up how foreshadowing a lot of Nygma's tech here. You know, it's kind of those 3D TVs. There's the whole privacy issue with like the the brain sucking stuff. It it is it's kind of a trip to to look at what seems like, oh, this is just some dumb movie from the 90s. But then there's there's a amount of foreshadowing and um, some depth to it that people have overlooked, you know? Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I, I do if some people have brought up with, with Dano as Riddler to me, if there was any flaw to it, it's that he just was not in it enough. He was just, he did, he had like one scene with Batman the whole time, you know, and he's not really there in the third act as opposed to this one where like Riddler's in this throughout the whole movie. He right. has scenes with both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Uh, he's, he's part of it throughout. So that's why um, even though I really like the interpretation of Batman, I still feel like this is the, this is still the top version so far. Uh, out of the two movies. Right. Uh, if we're including Frank Gorshin in that, that gets tricky because Gorshin is just iconic. He's the reason why Riddler's even an A-lister. You know, so it's difficult for me to to to, to rank them. I'm, I think we're just blessed with so many different great Riddlers in general. You know, there's not... Uh, until, until we get to the Jared Leto's of Riddlers, 
so far, I think we've, we've gotten, <laughs> we've gotten a pretty good luck in terms of the, the different interpretations. Um, even the one in Gotham, you know, I like, I like Corey Michael Smith in, in Gotham. He I think was he's, good. He was good. I thought the writing was convoluted, but like, it was still, it was still cool to see a modern traditional, a, a traditional Riddler. You know, he, he had the green outfit, the bowler hat, all that type of stuff. Um, and uh, it's, it's it's kind of like what people point out with Penguin, but same thing with Riddler, where it's just it's sort of wild to see all the different directions you can go with these villains. Right. Um, I know that definitely with him, um, I haven't finished the series yet, but one of my favorite things, and we'll, um, I promise we'll get back to what's on the screen. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely with him, one of my favorite uh, arcs, I guess, was when they finally discovered it was him doing stuff. There's that moment with them in the snow. Yeah. Um, where it's mm-hmm. him and like you know finally he confronts Edward and he knows like basically he's done all this terrible all these terrible things I think that was really cool and I feel like if they stuck to that that series yeah. would have been so great if they just focused on like you don't have Batman yet just Commissioner Gordon can solve these mysteries and these different crimes until Batman is ready I feel like it'd be one thing like just pick a lane I feel like for the most part I love Hugo Strange but I feel like yeah they just it feels like each season they're kind of trying to find out what kind of show they're making i feel like it doesn't have a consistent like from season to season it it might have got better later but i feel like um they didn't really have like a solid like this is where we're starting and this is where we're ending type thing it's a weird mix of this is a prequel to batman batman's not here yet this is gordon stuff and then this is stuff. It's a Batman show. It's just not Batman yet. Like it's, it's, it's a weird mix of, right? Because on, on one hand, like especially season one, it's like okay, this is we're figuring out. It's it's Gordon's story uh, with some of Bruce in it, and then later on, they're just like you know, fuck it. it Oswald's calling himself Penguin. The Riddler's the Riddler. You know, Joker's Joker and anything but name. Like it's it's, it's yeah. all it's it's all there. And it's just he's just not Batman yet. All these people show up, but. Uh, here's the classic part of him coming out of the fire. Oh, I love this uh, yeah. moment. Even as a kid, Badass. this is one of my favorite moments. I remember the actually getting the haircut. That's one of the <laughs> moments I remember watching. <laughs> just it, like stays yeah. in my mind. But yeah, like I remember even playing with like you know the action figures. Speaking of, um, mm-hmm. I had like I don't know because I wasn't around, but I know '89 got like a huge like merchandise push. Yeah. But I know with Forever, it definitely did, too. And I grew up with, like, you know, I had the Two-Face figure. Um, I actually have nice. a funny story with that. Um, my dad's dog bit the the foot off the Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> figure. And so I was really upset. And oh, so my damn. dad, my dad, he got me eventually. He got me a new Two-Face one. But in the meantime... He uh, actually really appreciated that. I was telling my wife, like, I actually prefer the version he got. But he made out of, like, duct tape, like, a foot for it. Like, he rebuilt, like, a foot for it. So, like, I just appreciated that. And I'm like, honestly, I could get the original, like, figure for it. But if I could find (laughs) the one with the duct tape foot, that would matter a little bit more. Speaking of. Something you associate with your dad. Yeah. I got this uh, Batman Begins figure. You can see the bite marks kind of in the head. Oh, damn. I think yeah. I have that one. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, I had the I had the the change Bruce where it's like it's Kilmer, but you put, you know, the Batman cowl 
and stuff nice. on him and, and other things, except it's not the suit at all from the movie. It's got like these green wings. And I was just like, Weird. what the hell is this? Uh, though as a kid, I'm just like, this is cool. This is what he should look like in the movie. And now as an adult, <laughs> I'm just like, what were they thinking? Just just give me what he looks like in the movie. Jesus. I uh, I so I had that. Oh, sorry. I, uh, think yeah. I like this one because it's the closest to the movie. I know back then they like to do a lot more of the variations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the classic quick change Bruce is what I'm holding up here. I'm like, this is cool, except he never wore anything like this <laughs> yeah. in the movie. It would have been cooler if he was. But, you know, now that now that design, T-shirt design has its own uh, legacy to it, and that's also why I wear it. Uh, but I think with, uh, with the Forever one, I had the Bruce Wayne one, and then I had the Riddler one, where he's got, like, that brain-sucking machine, like, yeah. almost <laughs> like a backpack, and then he just he does that. So that was cool. I, I had... My two face was like a plastic small figure where he's in a straight jacket and he's just escaped from Arkham, nice. which should have been like the first clue to like, the, you know, the whole Schumacher cut opening type of thing. Uh, this, <laughs> this image of Nicole Kidman naked on the bed when I was watching this. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> so, someone I know, uh, I think she was like a friend of, of somebody I was seeing at the time. And, and she was like, this is how women sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like yeah, all spread out. They're all spread like- out on on the big bed while like the the, makeup's <laughs> the, done. the windows makeup's done the the clearly the windows are open look at that <laughs> the that, drapes <laughs> she makes the bed sheets like a dress almost yeah just so that batman can come in through there yeah i mean if your fantasies are doing it in the bat suit or doing someone who's in a bat suit, then you know this movie yeah. is for you. The scene it's particular. Uh the internet also exists. So I mean you could also look up, I'm sure there's like <laughs> <laughs> like porn parodies you could probably look up too. Probably more satisfying than this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Considering that they don't actually get any further than just a kiss here. That would have been so weird. Like when you were telling me about that script where like it was just a mask. I'm like uh how would how would you film that it's supposed to be more okay for kids like mcdonald's is gonna be pissed <laughs> yeah, just like, you didn't like batman returns we got something else for you here so that's probably why they changed it in the script honestly they're just like yeah we can't get away with that come on and so they 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 moved the order around and made it like this where he um he deliberately or she doesn't sleep with him because she's in love with bruce and that type of thing which then leads into the very uh very memed image of of his smile afterwards which again like as in context it's fine you know people are just like oh batman's smiling in this i'm just like yeah, you know it makes sense it makes sense in this context you know i think even my dad noticed that like growing up it's like you never really see that like batman smiling mm-hmm. so especially the 90s one like sure like adam west it fits that but especially post keaton it wasn't something that you're used to seeing unless Keaton was about to drop you and and blow oh, yeah. you up like he did with a strong man. That's not smile you want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've got the thinkers, uh, which I thought was a nice touch as the uh, the parts of the chair you on know, uh, the Riddler's hideout. For me, being such a Batman Forever fan, I never really even made that connection. That's why I'm glad I got you here, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> We're pointing this stuff out. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Ah, that image with the the bat uh, does. It was the first time that they did the Dark Knight Returns thing, which they carry over to the other interpretations, where like he saw the bat as a boy when he fell into the cave. You know, yeah. people credit that to Nolan, but I'm like, yeah, Schumacher did it first. Schumacher did it first in this. Yep. Uh, 
And Snyder arguably kind of does it closer to Schumacher's version in, in making it happen on the, at the same time as the Wayne funeral. <laughs> Terrifying, is, yeah. Yeah, which is, and it's not the same comic. Uh, I mean, it's not how it was in the comic, but uh, that specific timing is from the Schumacher movie. It's not from, um, it's not from the comics. And so um, I don't, I don't think Snyder was necessarily being like, we got to reference Batman forever in this, but it is, it does have that carryover. Yeah. Um, I know for me growing up and this must show how much I used to watch this movie, a lot of things are starting to make sense. Um, so, um, I had a fear of bats, which now seeing that little image of like the bat flying like that. And then also, I I think I showed Mm -hmm. you the trading card before where like that giant bat is looking at Mm. Bruce. It makes a lot of sense now. (laughs) (laughs) Comes from this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is a movie where I had seen the trailers, I had remembered certain images and I, it was the first time in my life where I noticed stuff that was in the trailer that wasn't in the movie. Right, and it kind of led into the fascination that that now leads into into the show I co-host. You know, on on the different things that were cut and, and original scripts and stuff. I wanted to seek out like what was what's the stuff and and the idea of watching an alternate version or watching more Batman. You know, deleted scenes where there's like even more stuff that's part of the story that was fascinating to me. That got me really into that type of stuff. Yeah, we got a Halloween set Batman movie before the Batman. The um. Uh, I, you actually convinced me to buy the uh, Dark Knight um, that script treatment. Um, oh yeah, yeah. What do yeah. you think? Uh, I haven't finished it yet, but it was good so far <laughs> of what I've read. Um, I know for me, um, just in general, um, I think I probably prefer the aesthetics of this movie over probably batman it's probably just what i grew up on though like i don't know for me mm. I, I love returns because returns was also that forbidden that forbidden fruit that i couldn't watch when i was younger right. but there's just mm-hmm. always a special place in my heart for it i feel like there's a better version of this movie but also uh we, we've seen other interpretations of this this movie could have been a lot worse um overall yeah. Yeah, again, in terms of ranking this, I think I would rank this still more over some of the some of the others, whereas a lot of people tend to put this toward the bottom and stuff, probably because of associations with Schumacher and Batman and Robin. But really, if we if we take a look at representation of the the Batman character, uh, I'm just like, this is still better than a lot of some other stuff, both live action and animated. Right. Um, have you seen, uh, I meant to ask you this, have you seen the, um, I know I, I've tried to look for it online, um, the red letter book uh, yeah. cut of this, have you seen that? Yeah, the red book edition, I, I've seen it, the thing is they fuck with the, the color grading so much that it's, this is my this is my problem with a lot of fan edits, is that mm-hmm. if it's not seamless, if it doesn't look like the movie, then like it, it just feels very obvious. Yeah. And so it, it's, they try to make it look darker. You know, almost like black and whitish. I'm just like, yeah, you didn't need to do that. Like it was fine the way that was. Um, they added some like some Burton flashbacks to the dust of the Waynes, where I'm just like, you know, I, I do like that, but like I like how it was done in this one too. So I've seen it. My favorite fan edit of this is is called the work print, the virtual work print edition. And it's yeah. all it is is they just seamlessly put in the uh, deleted scenes from before. They might have cut some stuff from the deleted scenes just to stuff that didn't fit but overall it's it's pretty much the same 
uh, type of stuff. So it, it's it's the closest. And even then, there's a bit of a jump when you get to the uh, the Batcave scene because you don't know that Bruce has amnesia at that point because we don't have that deleted <laughs> scene. And you don't know the whole significance of the journal because they cut the whole thing about like what the what he originally thought the journal entry meant. So you're just like, this is kind of a random weird detour of getting into the into the Batcave. Yeah, like that was something I even noticed as a kid. Like it was just one of those things where I'm like, I guess they're just flashing back to like his parents' like funeral and everything, which to be fair, it's something we've never seen before in live action or anything. Mm-hmm. So like fair enough. But like without the context, it's almost like you probably could have just cut this part and it would have been fine. Yeah, because it's just like, oh, I keep having these dreams. And then the payoff is like, this is how I became Batman. I'm like, okay, so the payoff of this is the very obvious origin story yeah. <laughs> of, of what happened. I'm just like, yes, I, uh, I've been burying this image of seeing the bat in the cave. And I'm just like, um, okay, but we already know you're Batman. It doesn't give us any new information other yeah, than exactly. like in this continuity, he's, this is where he saw the bat. I'm like, okay, I guess that's cool. But yeah, I just, I just didn't, I didn't really understand the significance either because it, it just, it just falls flat in this version. It doesn't, it doesn't pay off what it was originally written to pay off. So then it's just kind of this weird, subplot that doesn't tell you anything new they did really good casting with the younger version of oh yeah kilmer here it does look like him yeah a a lot like him yeah Mm -hmm. i hate that you don't see the giant and i know like people have made fun of it i know speaking of mr sunday movies and he made fun of whenever he's got his arms outstretched like this and they start oh in the deleted scene yeah start playing some romantic music behind it or something it's again it's context you know, yeah, like it, it is, it's the con when you realize that that is the moment where he, uh, he's sort of having to let go of the trauma in a way or overcoming some part of it. Uh, that's, that's what makes that scene such a special one, uh, yeah. a special one to me as a, as a Batman fan, but also as a fan of this movie, uh, where I'm just like, yeah, I'd love to see, like, to me, the Schumacher cut basically just needs to have those two scenes that have not been released, which are the, uh, uh basically saying, the, the payoff of this flashback was supposed to be reading the journal and believing based off of reading the journal that he was responsible for his parents' death. And then you would need the other part about the amnesia in order for me to make that, that bad cave part make sense. Everything else I can pretty much take it or leave it. Excuse me. Uh, like the whole like ending at the end uh, where it was originally a different shot of Batman and Robin on the rooftop looks cool. Do I need it? Not really. It, it would have been better, in my opinion, if um, I know they kind of like, I know you've seen this delete scene, obviously, where it's like, does it ever end? Like, I like that. But mm-hmm. if instead of like the framing of them standing like this with like their arms, like on their <laughs> shoulders, if it was more of a replication of the first movie where it like pans up and then it's like them from like behind with like their capes flowing, mm-hmm. I think that would have probably been better than what they did. Like, it's I don't know. I think they made the right choice ultimately, but you yeah, know. with the running tours, I'm just like I would I was fine with the silhouettes running, you know. There's a bit some people were just like, it's like the 60s show and running. I'm just like, you know what? It's this is a modern version of the 60s show anyway. So that's not really that out of place. And it looks cool, you know, like it, it's it was Schumacher stamp was ending it with those those uh silhouettes running towards us from the bat signal, while Burton ended with the whole like rooftop shot with the bat right. signal. It's fine, you know, that, that those are the signature endings for both of those directors and i think it i think it works but i don't necessarily need to see that end the whole thing i just want the subplot to be restored and 
if they add in some of the other stuff, then fine. But, uh, you know, I'd like to see it reordered to the original cut too, as well. So it doesn't seem weird. It doesn't seem like Chase Meridian's <laughs> booty call was responsible for, for Riddler's origin. Uh, but that's pretty much, those are pretty much the main things. There are different flaws as well to this movie. I'm sure some people would be like, maybe cut how many times Two-Face flips the coin in here so it doesn't seem like he's just trying to get the, the scarred side. But I'm like, eh, yeah. that's a small thing, And but you really need to, like you would have to cut those parts out and then figure out re-editing the score at the same time. I'm like, this is a lot of work just to cut out something that, you know, I think most people watching this are not really going to give a shit about. Yeah. It's only really hardcore Two Face fans, and I think it's also like you said before, where I think people are expecting something like radically dark and everything. Without it's same thing with that Tim Burton interview we're talking about. It's like you have to think about context, and so mm-hmm. some of those deleted scenes and some of those things that people think are going to like radically like make the movie more dark and crazy. Like it might, or it might just be more scenes similar to this tone where. Yeah, it gives yeah. more context and stuff, but it might be like similar to this tone. It'd be more weird if it was just like super dark and everything else was like this. Yeah. Yeah, because like this, this is still the movie. This is still going to be in it. Like this, what he's going to say here with the whole joygasm thing, that's still going to be in the movie. Hey, I like the joygasm <laughs> part. <laughs> I know, right? But you know what I mean? Like it's oh, yeah, not yeah, going to automatically delete the cheesier moments or the comedic moments, they're still going to be there. It's just, there's some scenes that are darker that would be put back in, but the other stuff that's still going to be there. Tommy Lee Jones's performance as Two-Face is not going to be that much different. It's just going to be him in more scenes. Unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Okay. So here's another thing about this Two-Face. If I'm going to go with hot take of it. Yeah. Um, All right. Aaron Eckhart, hands down, obviously the best Harvey then. Two-Face though. He didn't really do much. He's not really two faced in those movies. He's not really two faced at the end of at the end of that. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, it's not it's not how I would do two face. You know, I'm not saying he's the greatest two face ever, but Tommy Lee Jones has a lot more of the traditional two face elements than Aaron Eckhart ever did. Because and it's not Eckhart's fault either. It's just because Eckhart had like ten minutes of being two faced, and all he wanted to do was punish Jim Gordon, as opposed to here we've got. You know, we've got a Two-Face who does the, like, two related crime, you know, the, the two themed crimes uh, on the stuff. He uh, He's a major threat. He's been around for a while. He has the traditional courtroom origin. He does, he lasts long enough to kill Robin's parents and have that whole ro- rivalry with Robin. There's a lot more comic book Two-Face type stuff with this version than with Eckhart. The main issue is that people just didn't like the, uh, you know, how, ha- how much he hammed it up. Yeah. On it, which I think is fair, but in terms of the way that there's stuff that's written in it, I, I don't think I don't think there's a version of this where Two Face uh, would have really been done justice the way that we want him to, in terms of exploring the depth of that. Yeah, I think you, he had to suffer. You got to realize what movie you're in, though. Too, like I said before, like mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I think. Because I've been going back and forth on this. I mean, I think the there's there's just no way to do the whole like Harvey Dent and he was my friend and have that type of depth that they they had in in the Dark Knight when he had that turn and how tragic that was. There just wasn't really a way to fit that in this movie when you already got Riddler and Robin's origin and Bruce figuring out his own origin 
uh, plus the Chase Meridian subplot. Like Two Face is at the very bottom of priorities at that point. <laughs> in which case, like you kind of just he's in there because you needed another villain because the studio wanted another villain, and he's in there because Two Face fits the theme of duality that they wanted. But right. it's not really going to explore Two Face any more than just him fulfilling that role. Where's that coming? He sounds drunk in that moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Where's that coming from? Uh, do you think if this movie was made today, they probably would have had, like, the light-up, like, Riddler jacket and, like, some of the other elements? I feel like that's much more of a thing now. I would see that at Hot Topic, yeah. Yeah. You would, you would see that. You would see that all over the place. Some version uh, of it, yeah. Yeah, it'd be that as well as, like, maybe, like, some sort of version of the Two-Face outfit. They'd be different variations. Um, I, I'd love to see uh, that being sold. Like, I, I still would love to walk into a place that has like retro Batman merchandise type stuff. Maybe the not Joker, stuff that was the Joker leather jacket. I've yeah, always Joker. wanted that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those Joker leather jackets. You know, batarangs from this era specifically. You know, like it, it would. I'd, I'd love to see it. Whether or not they would make a ton of money is a whole other thing. I know we would be we would yeah. be the customers for that, but I don't know about most of the general public who you know to them. The Batman movies are the Chris Nolan ones. They're not necessarily the uh, these these '90s ones, even though these are the ones that we grew up on. Yeah, Enigma, <laughs> Edward Enigma. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part that was just like I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, this, this the one thing I don't really like about this version of the Riddler is that his main he mainly leaves riddles for Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. not for batman and the riddles are clues to his identity at some point so i guess he just wants bruce to figure out at some point that it's him as opposed to like the traditional idea of him leaving them for there's the ass shot yeah that was by. weird like there was like a weird like <laughs> they made the crack in the ass too that was kind of weird <laughs> just in case i have to use the bathroom yeah thanks alfred <laughs> It's like, what did uh, Christian Bale tell? Uh, <laughs> Make sure what? there's a zipper in the suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it looks like he had some sort of zipper or something in there. Yeah. So uh, this is also, I, I didn't realize this until later on when we was doing the Michael Goff Alfred, but Michael Goff's Alfred never really shared a, he was never in the same room as Bruce when he was in the Batsuit in the Burton movies. Oh, when it was and when it was Batman Returns, they would communicate, but like Batman would be in the Batmobile, he was in the Batcave, like that type of stuff. But I think this is the first time that uh, in this movie uh, earlier when he changes, that's the first time we see Michael Goff on screen next to a Batman in in the Schumacher movies. So right. I thought that was kind. Of, I thought that was kind of cool, but I didn't realize that that was an opportunity he didn't really get in the in the Burton ones. Right. Um, I know definitely just speaking of like just growing up, I guess like psychologically ingrained with me. I remember um, this part where like <laughs> I think it's uh, Robin screams like woohoo like that. Mm-hmm. I remember going down like water slides and doing like what he's doing <laughs> right now, like carowinds and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I prefer the original Batwing to this. Uh, just same from an aesthetic yeah. standpoint, but I, I, this one isn't that bad, I guess. This one is number two. Yeah, this one would be number two. Yeah, I don't. I don't love the one from BVS. I don't love it either, but I still rank it above the one from Dark Knight Rises because I was like, "What the fuck is this?" It's a crab. <laughs> when they when they first announced <laughs> it. Like, I call it the bat, says Morgan Freeman. I'm like, why? It doesn't look like one. <laughs> it doesn't look like one at all. They went so far into, like, the functional aesthetic that it, it 
it looked like a parody of a real life plane, real life aircraft, because like it's supposed to be functional. I'm just like, this does not even look like a real life thing. Like at least with the Snyder one, they did they did the route in the Snyder one that I thought they should have done for Dark Knight Rises, where it's just like in the case it's still fighter with kind of a bat theme to it. It's it's not it's more muted compared to the um, the ones in these '90s ones, but right. you can kind of see the the realism mixed with Batman. But like I don't know what the fuck they were thinking for Dark Knight Rises. I got a gift. Uh, hopefully they won't listen to this. I got a gift of that toy from somebody, and I'm just like, this is going for toys and tots because <laughs> they're not <laughs> keeping this. <laughs> it's it's the tumbler. It's basically like Sky Tumbler. That's what it is. I'm more I, I excuse the tumbler a little more just because of of uh, nostalgia. I think for Batman Begins and stuff, uh, as well as like kind of the the bat aesthetic that I you know we talked about in the the Batmobiles episode. But the the bat, I'm just like fuck no, that's not the Batwing. Yeah. I just that's an immediate like no. And I'm I'm usually pretty forgiving about these different vehicles. I pretty much like every every Batmobile to some extent, but like that Batwing, I'm like, no. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. You suck my battleship, which I think Andrew might've brought this up or something, but like, I'm surprised there wasn't a Batman forever battleship tie-in. That's what I was about to, to ask. Like, yeah. like, I don't that, think they did it. Wow. It must have been yeah. just him ad- ad-libbing or something, man. I mean, they are literally playing battleship to destroy it, but like, imagine how Especially because this is a big movie at the time. These days, people laugh at it, but like in '95, this is one of the big. Oh, it's like that was a blockbuster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, this would have definitely been a hit at the time. I didn't even have Battleship growing up, but I would probably want to ask my parents to get it for me if there was a Batman Forever one, so you could pretend to be Two Face and Riddler <laughs> with your friends, uh, you know, blowing up the the different parts of the Claw Island, so you could take out the Batmobile and the Batboat. Yeah. Well, people like to forget that. Um... You know, I didn't necessarily see. I only remember if I saw Batman and Robin in theaters, but I definitely do know the hype was there. I don't. I think I was mm-hmm. too young to see this movie in theaters, but I do know that I told you <laughs> earlier that um, I like the Viewmaster for it, and I was just so <laughs> like I was so psyched for uh, the um, Batman and Robin movie. I had the um, that action figure of uh, Mister mm-hmm. Freeze, where is that blue? You know the blue kind of one where it's got the little goggles and everything, yeah. and the pale yeah, skin. Yeah, I had that too. Mm-hmm. I put them in the freezer, kind of make them cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do that, but I, I had, uh, I had the Batman and Robin popsicles type of thing, and those lasted. It was a Costco brand too, so you can imagine how huge the box was. That lasted yeah. like pretty much a year on that because there were just so many of them. And they had different flavors. You know, the blue one was obviously Mr. Freeze. There was like a red one for Robin. It, it was it was a time I'd love to. I mean, I I don't know how good they would be, but if they <laughs> if they reissued those, if they reissued those and made new ones, I'd love to have them again, just to have that taste of nostalgia. Uh, of course, they had the the holy catchphrase that they added in here. Yeah. This uh, I don't know. <laughs> like. Uh... <laughs> It, it, keep the uh, 66 aesthetic or not aesthetic but the the feel of it i think is what they they thought or or have something to it i think they, they wanted this they didn't but it kind of fits this movie as opposed to like it just it would be weird in uh, the batman you know well, yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm fine with there being a it? yeah <laughs> i'd be fine with there being a robin in the batman but if he if they try to do this whole like you know holy holy rusted metal batman in that one i'd be like uh i don't know that's not really what you established i, I get why you did it 
So right. yeah, this is this is the one interpretation where I'm just like, yeah, you can pretty much get away with it. It's weird, right? Because like I was telling my wife about this. So like all the other Batmans other than like, you know, obviously this one before I couldn't really see a, a Robin with them. But weirdly, I guess it's because of all the stuff with like the kid and the Batman. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I could definitely see a Robin being in that movie and it not feeling weird. They would have to definitely walk a tightrope of like, you know, realism with it. But like I could definitely see a Robin in those movies. I think it's also because of the fact that the story, the Pattinson story is about becoming a symbol of hope and inspiring other people uh, and and not just being a guy who beats people up and breaking right. their bones. I think it's that aspect, too, that lends itself so that by the time you get to that end, you're like, OK, I could see that as well as the fact that like. This movie, they're just like, we're bringing in a whole bunch of comic book characters, we're bringing in Catwoman, Riddler, Penguin, and they've all been reimagined. So it's a little easier to to imagine um, sort of a classic scenario with Robin as opposed to maybe in the past where, you know, you watch Batman Begins, you're just like, I don't know if they're going to bring Robin into this type of thing. You know, they do, but it's not great. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. I remember so, this scene too. Like, I'd rather see you in jail. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's that much of a hot take to say that this did Robin better than the dark Knight rises. Uh, I and I like Joseph Gordon Levitt. I yeah. thought he did well for what it was written. I just, I, I just remember in the theater when they did that, and I was like, this does not feel like a Christopher Nolan thing anymore at this point. This feels like one of those when they when they did the Robin reveal at the end. I'm just like, really, you had to do it that way, <laughs> you know? Like, why don't I just call him Tim Drake and then have him like in disguise with like a green raincoat or something, you know, like something right. to make her like a quote unquote realistic Robin or so rather than like have him just be a, a cop that you're wondering, why is he such a big character? And how come he knows what he's doing better than Batman in this movie? And then at the end being <laughs> like, he's Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember this, the opening of one of the trailers being this riddle me this riddle me that I was just so psyched. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know that um, speaking of just like other interpretations or ways they could have gone with the Nolan trilogy, just do it. But where the Batman did, uh, they had Barbara Gordon in that play, like the kind of Oracle character and that, and it fit with that series. Just have, if you don't want to go full like costumes and everything, just have her be mm-hmm. like, or have even Tim Drake be like a tech guy that he occasionally deploys in the field. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's another thing that they, they could have done it, but I mean, if you're if they're going to cap it at like three movies, they had enough going on, you know. Right. <laughs> they're just like, we want to do No Man's Land and Nightfall, and then I'm just like, then you've already failed. Yeah, you can't do both <laughs> of those at the same time. <laughs> but you know, I say that as we watch this movie that did Riddler's origin, Robin's origin, introduced Two Face, <laughs> reviewed Batman's origin, like this stuff started getting really packed, starting yeah. with this one. Well, the returns was kind of overstuffed a little bit too, um, from yeah. my memory. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I feel like it's it's more so once we start getting to into this. I think it just depends on how well you balance these characters out. Because uh, I mean, clearly you got three: you got Catwoman, Riddler, and Penguin in the Batman, and mm. I don't. I don't think there was. Re- Maybe it's because there's an overall feeling that like everyone this is the pilot for everybody in the batman you kind of excuse it because you know they're gonna 
it feels like they're all going to come back as opposed to these where it's just they're more one-offs. You're, you know, this is your one shot at Riddler. Jim Carrey's probably not going to come back after this one, uh, even though they keep him alive. That type of stuff. Uh, it, it felt more like, oh, stop this shit with as much as possible. Right. Um, not really setting anything up. Yeah, this whole thing with like the whole sadistic choice thing doesn't mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you actually sit down and think about it, doesn't make any logical sense how he's able to save both of them. Yeah, but that's part of the the fun of the superhero, you know, the the, the way that Schumacher saw this because uh, you know thematically it's about him balancing both sides, so he has to save both in order to to represent that, which I appreciated. But you know, is it realistic? No, but it's a Schumacher Batman movie. Fair enough. They do have a bunch of neon gangs and a bunch of like <laughs> it's like literally a watery death trap. So I yeah. mean, you know, activated by a button on the guy's case. I, I kind of that, that's the one thing I will say. I kind of do miss or missed with uh, Paul Dano's interpretation. There was no like cane or anything, or like kind of like I don't know. Like he could have used that. That would have been kind of cool if he used that to beat the guy to death at the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, that's true. That too. Yeah. That would have been cool. I think that it's, I think it's wishful thinking that it would, if he comes back, that he would be in something slightly more traditional in it. But there's also kind of potentially room for it, considering that everyone knows who he is now. Like beforehand, when he was, you know, in in the Batman earlier, he was disguised with that mask. But now he, people kind of already know who he is. So he could just go unmasked, but in like a green suit or something. Uh, that's a possibility or he's just going to go back to what it was in the first one which i guess is fine but it would be cool to see an evolution especially because matt reeves keeps talking about like they're going to evolve more into the comic book characters i'm like okay jury's still out on that but Mm. if you're going to say that then let's see that oh and here we got the first lenses in the uh the bat cow pre-dark night first as well as the whole choice between having to save two people except things go very differently in the dark night on that end (laughs) And 90s audience weren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this whole thing with like, what do you think, like, uh, uh, earlier you mentioned the whole like green race thing and how Batman didn't see it. Do you think that's just for the benefit of the audience or do you, do you think that that's actually visible? Uh, that's a good point. I think we're, I think it's supposed to be visible. Okay um but okay here we go he's leaping down oh yeah <laughs> everyone's weight is relying on that small little battering yeah a little flimsy <laughs> 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 that's the yeah. 90s it's it's okay they made movies like i feel like movies started just really getting dark in the later 2000s i feel like 90s yeah. movies have definitely different vibe like i said earlier you probably yeah. didn't make this kind of movie these days there's also a factor here when he catches Robin, the whole thing about like, oh, my father would always be there to catch me type of thing. I never that, even noticed uh, that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I noticed that either until like a, a viewing a couple of years ago when someone mentioned that. And I was like, ah, you know what? That's why they did that. It makes sense. Or we're just really looking into it. But I, I do think that uh, it's somewhat intentional because otherwise, why would they have so much about, you know, Robin talking about his dad that way earlier? Feel- so. A little from column A and a little from column B. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, yeah, that's another thing where I'm like, I'm kind of glad that if there's one upside to Chris O'Donnell's casting, it's that the, the costume fits an adult man 
it's a little <laughs> weird when you have an anatomically correct costume like that with the nipples on a 16 curve too if you've never noticed the the curve with this (laughs) (laughs) you can definitely see that the the crack has been carved into that ass when the cape goes up after batman catches him yeah i'm just like why do you have to make it so realistic with like the cod piece i'm like you guys could have kind of skipped out a little bit on that Mm -hmm. it's like this is a kid's movie right yeah okay so i don't blame batman for throwing the coins but when two-face falls like no one's gonna catch him (laughs) this is automatically better if they do the whole bat bolo thing you know like robin catches him that's like that's gonna fulfill the arc that's like the natural way to end this it just makes it even i think even as a kid i thought this was messy because i'm just like wait you spent the whole movie saying you know don't kill two-face and then batman decides i won't let you kill him because i'm going to kill him right (laughs) like that's how it comes across even though like i can see where like batman probably didn't think that was going to lead to two-face's death he just wanted to get the coin out of the way but again, he just he does not catch him. He does not, and he has plenty of gadgets. We saw that. He has no qualms about catching people and saving their lives. So that that definitely would have elevated the movie if they uh, if they went through with that if it went through with that theme where like Robin gets to capture Two Face. He gets to prove that he's not going to succumb to vengeance. He's going to he's going to throw him in jail, as he said earlier. Yeah. Well, I forget which. Um... I don't know if it was an all-star or and maybe one of the cartoon adaptations, but I remember there's a scene kind of similar to what you're talking about where like he has the opportunity to take vengeance on Tony Zuko and he and yeah. instead decides just to, he wants him to go to jail and like Batman mm-hmm. just kind of has a reaction. Like he was fully prepared to let the guy, if he, if, if uh, Dick Grayson needed to do that, like he was going to kind of stand back, but like he chose instead just to send him to jail Mm-hmm. it's kind of like a reflection moment i think even for batman so yeah yeah and I, I think it's it's where he proves himself to be batman's partner at that point where it's just yeah. like if, if you are able to resist that and if you are able to to put yourself to a higher purpose then you belong in my world and if you don't do that then you don't pretty much right. uh the first time we saw arkham asylum it uh, looks great it's great. It's, it's we gave us the S tier for as we ranked the the Arkham Asylums. It's just it's never been topped and stuff. I think Matt Reeves might have an opportunity with the Arkham Asylum show, but it's not going to beat this this art design. You know, I don't see the whole haunted house mansion, a place of healing, as Zach joked <laughs> on our show. Uh, but the haunted house type aesthetic that they went with is very much in keeping it with the '90s. And now these days, I think people want something that's a little bit closer to what a real mental hospital would look like. But there's a there's a nice gothic feel to this. Like I, I feel like the this is what the out the exterior at least is exactly what Burton would have gone with if he decided to do Arkham Asylum. Right. Um, I know definitely for me, um, I prefer like you said the more gothic thing. It's even worse if you see the Arkham Asylum video game how that one looks versus <laughs> even this. Yeah. But yeah, I like that more. I think it distinguishes it more because I know Nolan did the Arkham Asylum stuff and it just kind of looked like a generic, like yeah. almost like a prison. I didn't really care for that that much. Uh, yeah, I didn't. And I think that uh, that's kind of the, the main reason why in a lot of our rankings, the 90s stuff just all, it just always sweeps everything when it comes to art direction. It just it was there. And, and I get Nolan's aesthetic was meant to be realistic. It was meant to show a real city, but it's it it was very unmemorable 
in uh, in those movies in terms of what that type of stuff looked like. So uh, I kind of I do appreciate in a way that each movie has its own ups and downs in terms of like, this is where it's got like S tier level stuff. And here's where it could use some more work, you know, like in some cases it's like great writing, but you know, not so much with the, the design of the Batmobile or something, you know? Yeah. I don't remember. I know they did Arkham Asylum and the Batman, but I don't really remember what that one looked like. That You didn't see the exterior and uh, it was all just the inside of it. It has room to grow, but I mean, I, I'm not, we're not going to uh, have a ranking for that one until we actually see the TV show, I think, because it's just, we can't really judge it based off of what little we saw. At least in Begins, we had like the exterior, we had a whole sequence, a couple action sequences in it. Like we got a good look at it and had no idea that was the only time we were going to see Arkham Asylum in the entire trilogy. <laughs> Sadly, that was, that was a missed opportunity. Right. Uh, and then now we have the U2 music, which I, uh, I got the Batman Forever soundtrack as a kid and I was expecting when you put it in that we would hear the Danny Elfman theme because again, this is before I saw the movie and I knew it was right. before I knew Elliot Goldenhall and said this song comes up and I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted my Danny Elfman soundtrack which I wouldn't get for like another, I don't know, like five years right. uh, or so. But here we are at the credits. Yep. Uh, I guess uh, let's go ahead and uh, cut this off right here. Um, I'm gonna just cut the movie off but we'll go ahead and do our little outros and everything sure um sure. but yeah um it's funny because also just speaking of we pause it now but uh speaking of the vhs uh i think my grandma mm. could be bothered with like the the end credits could think like as soon as the movie was over like it immediately just cut off i think it's like five seconds you're in the song it's like ooh, and then like it immediately just cut off right there i guess you could be bothered with it's like yeah he got the important parts yeah you don't need to hear this music mm-hmm. but yeah um yeah i definitely appreciate having you on i was a little worried at first because i was like I never talked to somebody for two full hours on the show. Other, I've done commentaries. But <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, we have the breaks in between, but like, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I have that much to say about this movie, but uh, we managed. So you know. Oh yeah, well you know I have like ten hours of content on this movie. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I forgot I was talking to. If we include the Patreon, so I'm just like, if you want me to just talk about anything we're seeing, I can I can do that for you if, yeah. if, if need be. So yeah, this this was definitely fun. I'm glad that I was able to to reexperience. Uh, I've been watching a lot of the virtual work print cut actually rather than the theatrical one. So is that it, available? Like, uh, I guess we could talk off mic about that. Like, <laughs> available I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can uh, hook you up. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Off mic. Guys. <laughs> it is, it is a fan edit, by the way. So this is not, this is not me promoting any piracy here. Uh, this is a fan edit. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll uh, see what I can do about uh, getting you with that one. But it's, okay. <laughs> it, it's, it's cool to, to kind of sit back and watch the like streamlined version of it. Just get right to the action in the very beginning i think that's the main strength that this cut has over the other one is that it's kind of like it's it's a slow build to get to that action sequence in the first like 10 minutes as opposed to this one where you're just like you're right in the back cave he's batman i'll get drive through goes <laughs> off and stops two-face mcdonald's promo right out the gate hope you're happy oh, with I, us mcdonald's <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that was in the movie when i saw that even as at seven i was like what i thought that was just in the commercial <laughs> A lot of people have said that. I heard a podcast where they even said that. I remember speaking of Batman 89, where they mm-hmm. had the, you, you mentioned the Diet Coke thing. I got the old VHS mm-hmm. of it. That was the first time I actually watched it other than on Cartoon Network. I remember the 
You gotta uh you gotta watch Batman with the Warner Brothers ball cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't watch a Warner Brothers movie without Warner Brothers ball cap. Yeah. It's like what? <laughs> now I have to go to YouTube to watch that before watching the movie. Yeah. And then the Diet Coke one too. It's like we've run out of our last Diet Coke. <laughs> this black car would be rather difficult to miss. Yeah. <laughs> Gentleman is on his way. <laughs> it's the other car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, thanks again, Ben. I'll, I'll include Thank a you. link to your show. Uh, superhero stuff you should know. You should check it out. I'm a big fan. It's great to have you on again. And Thank I you. promise to have uh, more stuff up soon, guys. It's been really busy. But uh, awesome. yeah, I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode and we will see you guys next time. This is Alex. This is Ben. And this has been What Mean. <laughs>